Welcome to Cinemarathon, the movie marathon's podcast where we watch a series of movies all in one day and discuss them afterwards. My name is Matthew, and today I'm joined by Amanda. To infinity and beyond! And Richard. You are a child's plaything. No, she's not, Richard. Sometimes. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so we decided to do Toy Story this month, which actually I was really excited about because is this our first animated podcast? Uh, it could be. Yeah, I don't have a recollection of doing any other animated series. No, I don't series. think so. Which yeah, is, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of silly. Considering we both work in animation, and yeah, we're all and big cartoon nerds. Yeah, we're all mm-hmm. obsessed with cartoons. It's Yeah, it's crazy it took us this long to get to it. But uh, I think it was a good animation one to start with, actually. Absolutely. I mean, like, I can't think of another really good animated franchise yeah, that that's goes on like, this long. Yeah, that's this solid all the way through. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I feel like it was a strong choice because of all the characters and the history. And I don't know. It's one of the first Pixar. It's the first Pixar film, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah so the first good. CG animated film ever, feature film ever made, actually. So great. So, but yeah, um, I grew up with this movie like from day one. Like the second I saw that there was going to be like a computer animated feature film, like I was all over it. I would like read as much as I could about it. And actually, in seventh grade, uh, my friends and I put together a Toy Story fan club in our junior high class, (laughs) which consisted of, of like just watching the movie once and then talking about how much we loved it and then we never <laughs> joined again for toy story movie club until now until yeah. now we are all now members yeah exactly hopefully uh, but uh yeah have you guys been pixar fans from the beginning or? yeah i mean way back when you know my dad would take us to the movies and when he saw this thing pixar he knew it was going to be big he thought mm. this company is going to really thrive and he, in fact, bought me stock in Pixar oh, for nice. Christmas. So I still have the plaque. It's like they give you this frame sort of plaque that's like, my first stock. And it's like <laughs> a share. I think I only had like two shares in Pixar or whatever. Yeah. I still do. But it has all the characters, like Toy Story mostly, and yeah. like the lamp design and stuff. So I've always been like a pretty big like... Uh, you know, fan of Pixar in general and Toy Story especially. Because you're financially invested. Because it's because uh, I've been invested. You're, in you're pretty much a millionaire now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I wish. I don't even know what happened to that stuff. I like kind of track it, but well, when Disney bought it, super high. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. When Disney bought it, it was like your two shares. Here's like I'd get like a check for like 17 cents a year or something. Oh, that's Nothing crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's I probably awesome. didn't track it as best as I should have. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> Yeah, a friend of mine actually had stock in Pixar as well, and uh, he received, I guess he had a significant amount of shares mm-hmm. that his parents had bought him, and uh, so Pixar would send them gifts and stuff, and uh, he one year he received these large, like really large posters of like scenes from the movie or of the characters, Cool. and one of them is of Jesse looking really sad out the window Aww. from the second movie, uh. and it's awesome, it's gorgeous, and it's yeah, actually but- still at home in Atlanta, but... Oh, because you got it. He yeah, he, he actually let me have it. Oh, that's okay, nice. I was gonna say that's such a that's such a melancholy thing to have up. Like, <laughs> you just look at it and go, oh. <laughs> you left me. Yeah, it, it is a little bit of a bummer, but it's also just so nicely printed that yeah. it's like, oh, every time I looked at it, I was like, oh wow, that's awesome. That's but then really you nice. left it. Yeah, you, you left I it. left her. I left <laughs> Did you sit- put a shit in a swing at the park and yeah. then leave it behind? Yeah, pretty much. Yep, exactly. <laughs> She's looking out her sad window infinitely now, alone, <laughs> somewhere in Atlanta. But uh, but yeah. All right. How about so, you, Richard? Oh, oh well, I, yeah, I mean, uh, what was it, 1994 that it came out? Yeah. Or, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So then, you know, uh, I was, you know, still in school, obviously, like, just super excited for, I loved animated movies all, all the time growing up. So 
uh, just something new to see because I'd yeah. never seen anything that looked like that. Yeah. Obviously, we had seen like computer animation in movies like Aladdin had a lot of CG and mm-hmm. uh, you you could tell when it was different. Mm-hmm. But then actually making an entire film that way, uh, you know, I guess you don't really think about it too much as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I I don't know. I was like, oh, this is just animated, but it's animated different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I obviously I loved the movie and yeah. I loved everything that Pixar continued to do afterwards. Yeah. So it was just a really exciting thing to watch this whole new method were you aware of the shorts that they had done prior to toy story itself um i was not like i have probably seen a lot of their commercials because i know like they did tropicana commercials Mm -hmm. back in the day yeah yeah. and i probably also have seen a lot of the uh assisted animation effects that they did like sherlock holmes and all that stuff oh yeah yeah uh so i know i had seen them in spirit Mm -hmm. um and it it was funny because years later after pixar came out i uh people you guys know like the flight of the navigator Mm -hmm. movie yeah yeah. they mentioned one of the aliens from that it's a disney movie Mm -hmm. but they mentioned one of the aliens from that is from the pixar ecliptic and i was what is that what is the ecliptic that i I don't know like i I think they were just trying to like pick crazy weird sounding places for these aliens to be from but the fact that they said pixar yeah yeah i wonder where did pixar come from the name anyways do you think it came from that i'm i'm not sure where it came from originally because i don't know if they if they worked on flight of the navigator at all i don't think that they did interesting yeah because it was originally a george lucas company yeah yeah and so i don't know if it was called pixar then or if that's what it became known as later yeah that's really interesting yeah i never heard of that before actually but yeah, I had never personally seen any of the shorts until after I became aware yeah. of Toy Story, and then I like w- once I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, I love this! I I want I want more!" And I like did some research and found out about like Tin Toy and mm-hmm. Luxo Junior and all that stuff. But uh, but yeah, they just they started off with such a strong tradition, and Toy Story One is certainly a good leaping off point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we can dive into the first movie, which is Toy Story, and I guess here it actually it says that it came out in 1995. Oh, okay. Uh, But yeah, Toy Story 1. So I think just before we get into any of the plot and stuff, I think it's because it will lead to other things. We have to mention that the very first image in the movie is the cloud wallpaper. Right. That's like frame one, which even like it's such a striking image, especially like in even within the universe of Toy Story, because it's just so iconic and simple mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. pretty. It's just like really nice. And the fact that we'll get to it, but it, like the whole series like loops itself back to the wallpaper like to finish off is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just like such a I think it establishes like a really warm feeling for what's going to be one of the like most feel like heartfelt franchises in movie history. I would agree. I wanted to talk a little bit too about the just in general the concept of Toy Story. What a movie to make of like just totally kid centric Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. literally all the things kids know it's like cartoons and they're cartoons about the toys they play with it's just brilliant it's such a great introduction for pixar to make yeah i think uh especially to give them you know kids 
two new toys that they never heard of, like mm-hmm. Woody. It's just a generic cowboy, and Buzz is a astronaut space uh, ranger. You know, like mm-hmm. to add those. You know, I thought it was so creative. And then what they did with the established toys was really mm-hmm. fun too. Everything. I think all well-defined characters is really what makes this franchise uh, particularly amazing. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, maybe just simply from a legitimacy's sake, just like just to get you started, is that the very first toy you actually see in this franchise is Potato Head. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like so relatable. So they don't dump you into like, oh, just random toys that you're supposed to like care about. It's like, oh, remember like the real toy that like you grew up with and now like you're emotionally invested right off the bat. Yeah, it was so smart. So smart. What a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And like that actually that whole first sequence is awesome because you end up having a franchise who basically has at least a minimum of 10 really strong characters right. that survive the whole franchise and are really well balanced. Mm-hmm. And within the first 3 minutes of this movie, you understand and know almost all of them in mm-hmm. that first like montage of them or like sequence of them like you know getting you know gathering for their meeting and everything yeah which is yep. awesome yeah like that's like what i said the characters being so well defined it's like each one let's like let's make the uh t-rex really insecure you know mm-hmm. rex and he's just like was that scary i think i was trying you know like that's so funny and mr Bertea had kind of like a wise ass and yeah, don rickles I, yeah. yeah oh god it's just really well defined each person you know you got it i could write a toy story story mm-hmm. in a second because you know exactly what each character would say and do yeah yeah they're so clear and i do uh like the fact that well we wa- when we were watching the credits the opening credits we saw that the writing staff was pretty chock full of talent yeah. we had like joss whedon on there and what we thought originally was Joel Cohen of the Cohen brothers. Yeah, but a different, different Joel Cohen. But it's Cohen. a different Joel Cohen. Um, but talented crew nonetheless. I think there were four people credited for the first right. film, um, which is actually a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, considering how well it turned out. And I think it was in a development phase for a long time because this was their introduction. So I think they wanted it to be particularly amazing, which yeah. it was. I always uh, find it to be the case though, usually when you have a lot of main credited writers that the movies themselves aren't that great yeah. because they sort of lose their voice and it's too much compromise. Yeah, well, you, you, when a film gets through so many different drafts and rewrites, it it just becomes something else entirely. Yeah, absolutely. But they did obviously a great job with this one and um, for, as far I guess in the opening credits and the opening sequence too, we have to mention Randy Newman. Like, yeah, he also added so much to the tale because his sweet, heartfelt kind of songs and, you know, all of that really is another voice of Toy Story, I find. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to think of this series without his music supporting it. No way, like, yeah. I mean, half the tears shed when I watch this, <laughs> these movies is because of his songs. Um, but, yeah, it's like just it's so specific to this franchise and this universe. I mean, he's done obviously other you know movies and music, but mm-hmm. I think if anyone says Randy Newman – I think your first thought is probably Toy Story. Um, <laughs> or that Family Guy. Yeah, that or the Family, family guy. guy sketch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that's the best Randy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, and yeah, during that opening sequence, I think, you know, 
there's a huge history with Pixar in setting Easter eggs throughout their movies. Mm-hmm. And in that first sequence, you already have like that tradition being started with all of the books behind Woody when he's doing his announcements being the n- titles of the books. Uh, they're the actual titles of the shorts that Pixar had made. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Which is kind of cool. It's just like, you know, obviously it just sets a precedent that these movies are detail-oriented. Right. And which I think is what really did set them apart and still does set them apart from most kids' movies. That it's like, oh, it's not just a, like an animal being goofy and running around or something. It's like, no, like every aspect of these movies has been broken down by people who really care about the story they're telling and like in the world that they're trying to build. And as far as storytelling, besides making great characters, is they make such a great uh, struggle. Like the the plot of this one is that, you know, it's it opens with Andy's birthday and mm-hmm. that's when they're the most terrified is like, oh gosh, are we going to be replaced? Birthdays and Christmas are like the most terrifying time of the year, you yeah. know? And uh, the little army men, that whole breakout scene of yeah. them like going down and like... <laughs> and uh, trying to see what the gifts are that are being opened and one of them getting crushed and all that. Yeah. It's just like amazing, really well done. And although kids might not get that, it's such a great shout out to like war movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It was really, yeah. you could tell the writers and the people who worked on it from every angle, like animators, designers and stuff, just really enjoyed it and were on the same page, like got it. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that even with sequences like that, they weren't afraid to go like, all the way with it, you know? Yeah. Like, instead of just being, oh, they're being army men, like, silly. No, it, like, I have a note here that says, like, army men sequence got really intense. Yeah, he got stepped on, like, yeah. broke his legs it's and like had to drag him out. Poor little man gets crushed, and then they go through his whole, like, leave me behind thing. Like, they take it to the nth degree, and it's really great. Well, and and the fact that they, they, they have to walk so awkwardly. Because, yeah. Because, you know, as people know, the, the army men, like, they're just it's a solid, flat piece of plastic. So it's not like they were like army men that could actually just walk. Yeah, they yeah. had to, they had to be true to who they were. Yeah, they have yeah. like little snowboards like basically attached to their feet mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, that attention to detail makes that's like I said makes it so much more special. Yeah, and, I feel like there would be companies that would say, well, this sequence could be even more rad if we just didn't have them have those plastic things on their feet, and mm-hmm. so they could really run around and we could do this and they'd flip and blah blah. But like that's not the whole point of this, which no. is why it's great that they were smart enough to just let them be what they are yeah your toys would if they came alive that's how they would move mm-hmm. and that's how every kid pictures it and yeah. that's why all the animation is pretty amazing like the difference between how buzz moves and like woody say mm-hmm. based on the materials that those uh, figures would be made out of it's amazing yeah yeah woody has a lot of flailing kermit the frog yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, arms yeah when he, yeah exactly <laughs> when he's walking around it's this like fl- flailing all around and Buzz is super solid because he's got limited range of motion. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. And I think that's awesome too, which it ends up becoming even more important later in the franchise, but that that distinction in the real world movement of the toys versus what Andy sees when he plays with them mm-hmm. is such a huge like an important factor in giving those characters the the like relatableness as like being having grown up playing with toys Uh because the idea that you know like i said if they had made the army men just run around like regular army men then when you have sequences where you know andy's picturing like them actually doing stuff then that distinction would have less of an impact yeah so um yeah it's just really really well conceived and like speaking back to the idea that they weren't afraid just to go all the way with it most of the toy story franchise i think became really popular not only with kids but because pixar really decided to write into the stories elements that adults could 
mm-hmm. yeah. like relate to as well. Like all the stuff with Potato Head, like most of his jokes are super adult. Like they're masked, obviously, by silly like sort of wordplay. But you know, all of his jokes are basically like him being an, either an asshole mm-hmm. or like talking about like being in love with Miss Potato Head. You know, waiting like, for his misses. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, that's just great. Just characters, great characters. Well, I love you know John Ratzenberger as Ham. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know and just because you know he's he's a piggy bank so you think okay like well what can he do really with that but then they make him like this very obviously like inspired by Cliff Clavin mm-hmm. from Cheers kind of character who just has who knows everything yeah like he he looks at something like you know obviously getting ahead but like he'll look at like a childproof lock is like yeah that's the uh, Grandmaster four thousand greatest childproof lock on the market <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's just like this wealth of knowledge for yeah. their crew which is like ridiculous it doesn't make any sense but it's awesome. So yeah. good, and uh, and Slinky Dog, and oh, you know, yeah, Jim, uh, rest in peace. Oh, Moment yeah. in silence for Slinky Dog. I just like that they kept him going on, you know, because first of all, they find that Slinky Dog is like one of the most useful toys as far as like yeah. getting around for them, you know, and <laughs> maneuvering through things. But yeah, I mean, like I said, like it's such a good core cast and such clear wants by and objectives by the characters. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, the first thing is, and, and they get to it, Buzz is introduced. Like, yeah. you see, like, Woody is the end-all be-all for Andy. He's a cowboy. And then Buzz in- gets introduced. And yeah. he's kind of weird. And Woody is, like, trying to reassure, because he's the leader. He's, like, trying to reassure the gang, like, yeah. hey, it's cool. And then it turns. I love the turn when he's yeah. the one getting jealous and everyone's, like, calling him out on that. Like, that yeah. made me laugh so much. Yeah, it's, it's like, super, so realistic, you know? Yeah, it's super efficient storytelling. Like, you're, like, by minute, like, 15 or 20, you know every character You've established their world, their cares, their wants, their fears, and you establish the conflict that will basically be the whole rest of the movie in that in less than one act. Right. Yeah, and it's like like the montage of Buzz taking over like is only like maybe forty five seconds uh, to a minute, but it's devastating. Yeah. It's like watching Randy Wo- Newman. Yeah, Randy <laughs> Newman jumps in, and then Woody gets pushed to the trunk. You know, the toy yeah. chest, and it's like holy shit, man! Like the stakes are high in this movie. Yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's great. Andy's room transitions to you know space stuff. I love that because that's I totally remember that. So my mm-hmm. room was super Beauty and the Beast, and I love Beauty and the Beast, and so everything is Beauty and the Beast themed. And then slowly, as I became a teenager, as that stuff went away, like I covered up my walls with magazine cutouts and this and that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just growing up, and I just mm-hmm. thought that was so such a good touch. It's like kids would you know you would be really into like the littler kid the cowboy to me seemed like a littler kid and then Mm -hmm. andy grew up and he was like okay space is now like the cool thing i'm a little bit older and space is the cool thing yeah yeah so i just think that's such a neat thing that everyone can relate to of like changes and when they were kids of like what they were into yeah yeah, and they do a good job too, especially, we'll get to it later, but in Toy Story 2, continuing that theme in a lot of different ways, but especially the cowboy to space transition uh, when you deal with like the whole Stinky Pete, like you know, <laughs> yeah. his, his anger and like just about a whole generation, not just about like little kids to older kids, but just a whole generation that moved their their passion and ideals towards like, you know, the space program and what that meant for humanity and stuff. It's like really awesome. Well, because Woody is a is a vintage toy. Yeah, we don't we don't really know that in the first movie, uh, but you can get a kind of a, get a sense of it. Yeah, but because yeah. he's you know you don't really see fabric sewn dolls a lot. These yeah, days. it was a yeah a cowboy fabric sewn doll in the '90s wasn't very common. The right. only one I knew about really was like Pee Wee, 
like Pee Wee Herman. Did you ever yeah, see yeah, those yeah, songs? Yeah, 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 I remember. That him. was the only one that I kind of really had a reference to otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess like they, after establishing the the whole like Woody buzz dynamic, yeah. that's where like so much comedy for this franchise like comes out. Like their dynamic between Tom Hanks and um, Tim, Allen. Tim Allen is golden it's beautiful like i never would have cast them in those roles if you had Mm -hmm. asked me but they work perfectly just how like serious buzz is and like even though you know he doesn't realize he's a toy um and you know how woody's kind of this lax like got everything together down to earth um it's really funny seeing him lose his shit at buzz you know and freaking out um all yeah all that stuff is like really neat yeah, there's like having watched it again because I hadn't seen Toy Story one in maybe ten years. Like I hadn't seen it, I don't think since Toy Story two had come out. Oh wow! And uh, but like really, how every sequence has a place. Like every sequence is like really tightly constructed. You know, they're all memorable. It's almost like a, just a string of like classic moments all in one movie. And like I remember, you know, you go from opening sequence and learning about Buzz to montage to you know Woody getting jealous to uh, you know being in the pizza park or the gas station parking lot and how actually like legitimately nerve wracking that is like mm-hmm. when watching it like and you see how little they are and just like being in this open world environment after their whole lives being in this one room like how really scary that is for them and like. Yeah, and just having, like, you sad, strange little man, like, all this <laughs> stuff, like, it just brought me back so distinctly to when I first saw the movie. And it deals with a lot of things that most kids deal with, you know, of coming of age and getting older and changing things that they cared about, but, like, still having that sort of nostalgia for their old stuff, like, because no matter what in the story, I know Andy cares about Woody a ton. Like, yeah. Woody means a lot, and it was reminiscent to me of, like, I remember well into my teenage years still having, like, stuffed animals that I'm, like... I should not have this, but I do not have the heart to get rid of yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Like I still have a popple. Oh yeah, um, I still have my animal. Too. Like that, I just I I don't know why, but I, for whatever reason, there's comfort. There's remembering. You know, I don't know. It meant so much, and so like just seeing that throughout the film, because you know uh, they move. The the big thing is they're getting ready to move. Yeah. Right in this one, just to make sure I'm correct. Yeah. And 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 he's so sad that he can't find. Woody and Buzz, you know, yeah. and then they're so scared that they're going to be left behind. Yeah. Uh, so then he gets Woody pushes accidentally has him get pushed out the window by the RC car, and then they all turn on. Which Woody. is an amazing scene, by the way, because it's like poor RC is like being used. Used, as this. yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is super crazy. It's like this vi- like this tool of evil, and yeah. he's like he seems so like upset by it. It's like <laughs> it's really actually like a really hilarious and disturbing scene. And. Uh, and so, yeah, when he falls out and then Woody tries to save him, uh, and that's when he, he gets on the van and goes to the pizza port place, right? Yeah, pizza planet. Planet. Um, but one of my favorite things, and I will still remember as a kid, is the little aliens, three-eyed aliens in the, in the claw machine going like, the claw, he chooses us! Which is a fucking insane concept for a little kid's movie. Yeah. So like, awesome, though. Like, it is so bizarre. Like, this weird, like, existential crisis, like, 
cult of aliens <laughs> yeah. that like think this person's their like god essentially is like so out there it's but a metaphor amazing for something i think <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but i think it, i remember as a kid getting it totally being on board with it being oh like, yeah that's so funny they think that that thing's like choosing them yeah, yeah. and it is kind of like you know it's like yeah. which one will you which kid do you get to go home with you know kind yeah. of thing it's so awesome yeah, so and that's good. when Sid gets a hold of Woody and Buzz. Yeah. And uh, one of the little guys. Mm-hmm. One of the who? Oh, one, one of the of aliens? The, yeah. God, they're so funny. I, I remember, I guess they're sort of like the Ooh. minions like of their day. Yeah, yeah. way better, But though. way better. So minions less annoying. Suck, yeah, but, minions uh, suck. Yeah, I don't know. They're just they're just great. I remember like ooh. going, ooh, like all the time, <laughs> like running, walking around. The <laughs> Like, they're just so weird. That was awesome. Yeah. That was just a fun touch. Like, that's yeah. the thing all the way along. And then this one, too the really funny morbid one of my favorite little side gags was when Sid when we first see Sid in Pizza Planet he's uh, doing like um, the mole smashing thing from Alien but it's yeah, aliens it's, yeah, popping out of this alien out of this uh, astronaut's yeah. body yeah. and he's like smashing him on the head like whack-a-mole that's what I was trying yeah. to think of yeah he's I thought that was fun legitimately frightening though Sid like does actually actually scare me but I have to say like out of all the things in this movie the most like shocking and interesting part was Sid's toys and all yeah. of that stuff it's dark. like dark really dark but amazing like I just think they were so brave to go there you know working in animation and working for a network it's like you are constantly put under this sort of microscope of like what you can do and cannot do and what's yeah, allowed standards and, what's and not. practices yeah. the standards and practices but it you know it seems like it varies from thing to thing and you don't know why or how and it's literally so just one person's opinion but to see this in old movies like that it's can be that dark it was great like the baby spider head thing yeah. is one of the, it, still as an adult was one of the scariest things i've ever seen yeah and as a little kid like it didn't haunt me by any means but i definitely got the point of like Oh, like this is a bad place. This is yeah. a creepy place. Yeah, absolutely. What was your reaction to the the dark toys when you first saw it? Do you remember? When I uh, I don't know. I I I just remember liking everything that was going on. But when the little <laughs> uh, little guy on the this is just like a head on wheels yeah. comes by and clicks off his flashlight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's so funny. Uh, <laughs> and like the legs on the crane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like crane oh. legs or whatever. <laughs> Fish or yeah, like. Uh, Fishing pole, like oh, yeah. maybe yeah, legs. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah they they all became their own little unique characters, and the fact that they didn't have a voice of their own mm-hmm. was was also kind of frightening in a way yeah, too. Yeah, I never thought about that, but none of them talk. Yeah, they they it's like are they too scared or they they just can't. Yeah, because like they've been dismembered. Maimed, yeah, like yeah. too <laughs> like too fucked up to like actually be able to speak anymore. But yeah. it's so awesome because you know Woody and Buzz get over there and they're like terrified of them they think they're cannibals mm. which is such a great normal yeah. reaction i think to that sort of thing like you did like thinking they did this or whatever and yeah. the baby doll and the pterodactyl they're like oh my god they're eating them you know and essentially they're just putting them back together like yeah. fixing them which mm. is nice well it's great because like what they managed to do within the context of this world of toys is basically take the audience through at least three to four maybe five different genres of film all in one story, mm-hmm. which is great because you learn that just by taking a, establishing a character's context, which was Andy's room, and then removing them from that context, that it becomes its own genre just by their their how they react to the scene. Yeah. So it's like, oh, they're out in the world, that, you know, in a gas station. They're really little, so now we are in like action adventure. You know, then you get dumped into like Sid's room where it's dark and creepy. Now you're in horror. Like it's just a really strong balance 
for one film to be able to go through all of that. With a scary dog, too. I have to bring oh. that up. And he puts a little alien guy and he just squeezes him to yeah. death when he first oh, gets yeah, him. Yeah. It's just like horrifying. Yeah, like <laughs> Woody's just watching it happen. But it, I knew those kids, too. I knew those oh, kids yeah. that oh, treated absolutely. their toys like shit. And I think the three of us, out of anybody I know, were always like really precious with our toys for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, I think you guys were like, box kids meaning like you kept your toys in the boxes and I took them out and played with them and then kept them back in there but then I would always put them back into the (laughs) packaging so I didn't lose any accessories I wasn't as intense in that but I knew kids who would just like throw them around and stuff I did cut my doll's hair I did well that's okay but but that was for fun yeah exactly you know and once you get to Sid's house that whole like the whole idea of like Buzz having given up yeah is like equally hilarious and devastating like my favorite scene mm, i think in God. all of the franchise yeah. is him having tea with the little sister yeah and just like i am mrs nesbitt like all of that <laughs> stuff is like the best when his arm because he like goes tries to fly out the window and can't and yeah. falls in his arm he sees his arm just lying next to him and he just kind of closes his eyes it's yeah. like the yeah. saddest <laughs> thing ever and i'm like get up buzz get up <laughs> like what if you discovered you just weren't real somehow yeah. oh like, my god how fucking horrifying that would be and and just but you also get like i love the because i love the little sister yeah and like she's having she's she has managed to maintain her own little world despite the fact of the the horrible brother. Yeah. But you see that she's having tea with all these decapitated dolls. Yeah. <laughs> like things she's had to recoup together after yeah. Sid's fucked them up. Yeah. yeah. And and you know she's she's dressed up Buzz as best as she can with his apron yeah. and like and the, <laughs> the hat. Boy, the hat looked good. Just tell me the hat looked good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's Buzz's best quote. Yeah, ever. that one's really funny. And I was like, all the years of Academy training wasted. <laughs> 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 so good so funny I noticed for the first time I don't know why I never noticed this before but in Sid's house the carpet upstairs is the shining carpet yeah you pointed that out which is which awesome is pretty uh, in awesome. Sid's house yeah that's so great and then uh, yeah I think once you get to the point where Woody convinces Buzz to be like to like that's okay that you're a toy mm-hmm. and that just Andy's love is enough like you know like it matters like it's not yeah. insignificant like from there on out, the movie just is like, like thrill ride till the end. Like it's like you have like them trying to get out of the house and scaring Sid, which is mm-hmm. really awesome. Like I'd have to say that's probably the scariest scene in the movie, actually. Right, just from a kid's perspective. Because they got to get out because he's got he, the rocket came. He's gonna attach Buzz and Woody to the rocket and shoot them off, or just Buzz, I guess. Just Buzz, Buzz just is Buzz. attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the big one. My one of my all-time favorite scenes is when Woody's trying to get the guys across the street's attention. Their toys in Handy's room, and he like pops out and he's like, "Guys, we're okay. I found Buzz. He's fine. Look, he's fine." And Woody grabs Buzz's uh, arm arm that's been um, taken off, and he like just waves it, and then it suddenly pulls out and. They could see that it's detached. Like, oh my god, he's a monster! Yeah. So they don't do it, which I think is such a great bit. It's yeah, a very so funny, funny joke. Well, this is too because of how shitty Woody's acting is in it. Like, yeah. it's like clearly <laughs> so bad. Yeah, like put patting himself on <laughs> his back. <laughs> Thanks, Buzz. You're my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So great. So great. And then yeah, like when Sid like. I remember being in theaters and it was like the only scene because like with the Sid's toys, they're scary at first, mm-hmm. but then they become sort of allies. Right. So like it's sort of okay that they're scary at first because they turn. Right. But the idea 
when they reveal themselves to Sid as being like these like evil, like possessed items, I remember thinking, wow, that could have maybe affect a lot of kids. Yeah. Like going home and they all of a sudden look at all their toys and like oh, yeah. waiting for them to like slow exorcist turn their heads yeah. at them or something. Well, I mean, uh, obviously getting back to like the look who's talking. Look and look, he's talking too when he's like in his room and they shut off the lights. Oh yeah, yeah. And like the bear like grows fangs and the head start turning. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. yeah. That, that those are the kinds of things that stuck with me from from my childhood. Absolutely. And, and it's just like, is you know the first time you think, oh gosh, I wish my toys were real and they come to life, but then you kind of go. Maybe I don't. <laughs> <laughs> there was another Easter egg too in Sid's house uh, with the Binford Tools yeah. uh, toolbox, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Home improvement. That's oh like, yeah. Which I was yeah. like, oh, that's a nice little, nice little touch too. Because that that wasn't that was ABC, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think so. So they had the rights to it. So mm. it's, it's awesome they got to throw that. It's in really there. fun. I was just looking through some of the uh, like trivia and facts about this movie, and there's so much behind the scenes and stuff, but. Uh, one of the most interesting things was it was the highest grossing movie of 1995. Yeah, it was Which I was like, well, clearly. And that's awesome. Yeah. And for animation, that's amazing. I mean, animated movies are always put to the back burner. Now Disney really has made them come more to life. And at that time, that's when, like, the golden age of Disney movies mm-hmm. were coming out, too. Right. So there was a big buzz behind all of that, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but... I, I think that's amazing, you yeah. know, f- for a genre that I feel like gets little to no credit. Uh, what a great movement for us. And I think it paved the way for a lot of, you know, creatives and animation, you know. Yeah, it's like I actually sort of like it's a double edged sword for me because like as much as I love Toy Story and what Pixar did up until at least recently, their past few movies, I don't think have been great. Uh it did. It was doing such wonderful storytelling and giving like a maturity into animation that I don't think it existed in the U.S. for a mm-hmm. while, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated. But then it killed essentially 2D animation. Yeah, which is like so. The one of the things I love most in the world also killed the other thing I love most in the world, which is hand-drawn traditional animation. Right. And it's never been the same since. Well, it's because we get uh, my biggest argument about that is that. There, there, shows lend themselves to certain platforms, and this movie made sense for that. Like yeah. their toys are bringing the toys alive, so it, what's better than using CG? Like that makes sense. It's like finding the platform that works now. I think now that we do have these technologies, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, like one way or the other. I found that in my experience, like we get a lot of executives who are like, "No, kids don't like not CG." Like well, see, if it's that's what that's, that's what's stupid about it me. is that what what they're really saying is is that parents don't like not CG. Yeah, because kids don't give a shit. There's I mean, a, I think there's a genuine mental block in adults that take their kids to movies that they, that they say, "Oh, CG's okay because it's more like a real movie and I can enjoy it too." Whereas 2D animation, they're like, "Oh, that's for little kids. I don't yeah, care about exactly. this." It's so stupid. It's so annoying, and that's why 2D animation died. Like for me, I think genuinely. The best Disney movie of the past ten years was Princess and the Frog. Yeah, like I done just animation-wise, characters, music. I think it was all fantastic and knocks like Tangled and Frozen out of the park. Like it's just like it just way better. But it didn't make even like ten million dollars here in the U.S. Like yeah, because parents were just like, oh, that's for little kids. I don't care, which is it's devastating to me. Yeah, it's too bad about that. So I, I mean, <clears throat> on one hand, I am glad that this came about, but I also hope that people can see that each each show or project has a purpose for one way or the other and can be either, yeah. you know, and whatever will serve the creative more 
for to sure. go with that, not just because it's the the thing, you know, at the time. Well, unfortunately, I think the problem is now that when you have an industry like that where no one's making, no one can make money at it currently, is that that art begins to fade away. Yeah. Yeah. There's people who aren't being trained in it anymore. Like the art of 2D traditional is dying. Well, it's all, it's all outsourced yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Mostly. Well, and, you know, Matthew, you and, I, you and I watch a lot of anime. Yeah. And a lot of, like, animated features now are coming from other places. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, like five years ago now, Secret of Kells. Yeah, in Ireland. Ireland. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah, Same so good. Song of the Sea came out this year by the his same director. Movie. It's yeah. his new movie, and it's beautiful. You should see it if you haven't checked it out. Um, it's so, it's beautiful, and it's 2D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's great. And it's and a lot like Secret of Kells style-wise, but okay. it's, like, even, it's a lot, like, way more epic. Like And Princess, uh... Kaguya. Kaguya, yeah, the yeah. new Ghibli movie it's is like the like animation a book. is it gorgeous. It looks like a book. It's mm. beautiful, like yeah. a watercolor book. Yeah, it's really nice. So, but I, I feel like again, like I can't complain because I love stuff like Toy Story, and I'm glad that it exists. So, mm-hmm. um, but the first movie again, like I, I don't know, flawless as far as storytelling. There was not a scene in it that I didn't think didn't need to be there. Characters made sense. The wants and desires and the the kind of tr- tracing of the movie was great yeah and so there's an emotional core there that is so strong strong enough to hold up three movies mm-hmm. although we'll get to but i don't know if three holds up as well as it should but uh emotion wise but uh but yeah like i remember thinking during especially during the like the last sequence of toy story one the whole car chase or whatever yeah. that was like holy shit this is like me pers like to me personally one of the best car chases ever in movie <laughs> yeah, history like it it's just I'm invested <laughs> and it's really funny and like you know like the whole thing where like he gets the truck open and then and the bed comes down and like hits the ground hard and sparks it's yeah. like oh gosh it's like Jesus and then like they see Woody pushing RC out of the back of the truck again <laughs> like oh my god he's trying to murder him again like Woody's <laughs> lost his mind is like so funny yeah like just everything about it and you know like the animation in the neighborhood I think it's one of the the big times when the animation doesn't hold up very well like mm-hmm. visually but it sort of doesn't matter just because the intensity is so high and the the stakes are really high um but yeah it's a, it's a great sequence mm-hmm. and um yeah and then you know the conclusion of the movie i think is like really clever and like a funny way to set yourself up for the next stage which is like oh we all have our own worries and you know you know fears and that once that gets solved and you go through it like oh there's always going to be something else too. So you like, you have Christmas morning and they get a puppy and they're like, Oh my God, none of us can compete with a puppy (laughs) kind of thing, (laughs) which is hilarious. It's just, I don't know, just solid storytelling. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. It's one of my favorite animated movies of all time. Yeah. I I think it needs to be ranked as one of the top for sure. It deserves it. For sure. So, all right. Well, that's toy story one. I think we can all agree. Certified classic. One of the best movies we've watched in any of our cinema marathons. And uh, so we can move on to the second movie, which is Toy Story 2, which came out in 1999. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart. And when she was sad, I was there to dry her tears. And when she was happy, so was I. When she loved me. 
So what's your guys' reaction to the second movie, now having just seen the first movie? I still love it. I personally think it's the best in the franchise. That's me personally. I'm more emotionally connected to this movie than the first it's, one. I'd say it's it's much more emotionally impactful. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesse's story is 100 times more 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 emotional than Buzz's re- 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 you know revelation yeah. and Woody's tragic like jealousy. Her cuz you know that you've done that. Yeah. Like oh, you know yeah. that you've you've given away a toy or or you've had to throw it away or you, you know, your parents gave it to goodwill and you were okay with it. Like yeah. you've abandoned some element and absolutely just to know that you've emotionally impacted some toy that way. Yeah. It gets you. It's like, this movie is like the biggest guilt trip of all time. Like <laughs> I remember sitting in the theater, like literally feeling bad about myself, <laughs> like over like plastic <clears throat> toys that I had like thrown away and left to die. And it's like, it's crazy because you see both sides of it too. It's like not just from like a, Oh, I gave away toys that now they're lonely and dying in a ditch. And also just relating it to just like the human, your human relationships, like, you know, friendships you've lost or, you know, people yeah. you cared about not being there anymore or growing apart. Like it's all encapsulated into this one character. And for me personally, like Jesse's my favorite character of the franchise. Like, I guess partly because of how impactful her story is, but I just like her too. I, Joan Cusack is one of my favorite actresses ever. So the fact that she's the voice. And I love voice. her too. She's one, her voiceovers acting yeah, is amazing. She, her voice, yeah, her, her acting is incredible in these movies. And So I'll have to be honest, when it came out, I was like, ugh, what is this? Why are they, what are they grabbing out? A second Toy Story? Like, I was mm. super turned off by the idea of a Toy Story 2. I was like, why are they rehatching it? The first one was perfect, and I was a super snob about it. Oh, I, really? in fact, did not see it in the movie theater. Oh, I man. Refused I was to go. day one. I was yeah, day I was one. I was like... No, like this is gonna be shit. It's gonna be one of those shit grab bag sequels, you know, because I was really pissed off. They did it with Aladdin, they did a few other mm-hmm. ones, and I was just like, no, like what is this? And so I kind of boycotted it. And then I don't, I would have to say it wasn't until like maybe like five years ago till I actually saw it oh, for crazy. the first time. Um, and kind of around maybe when we started being friends, Matthew, that you were like super gung ho about it. And I was like, well, you know, I trust your taste in things, mm-hmm. I should give it another chance. And I was like, oh this one is actually good, you know? Like, yeah. I, I was so anti it because I really thought they were trying to grab at something. Hmm. Um, and I'm so glad that I came around to it. And then watching uh, yet again in this um, marathon, I was just so impressed with, again, the characters. And um, I feel like the continuity of things. So first thing, Dog comes back and Woody plays with him. You know, yeah. like, the oh, dog's yeah. older now and it's like they're buddies. Yeah. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I love the introduction of Miss um, Potato Head. Yeah. Miss Potato Head came in by... Well, she came in technically in the... In the oh, the end, end of the of first, first one. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I, So that continuity of, like, following through and she's yeah. there now. Salgetti, Sel, right? Uh, no, what's her no, name? No, no, no. Uh, Estelle Harris playing the voice of Mrs. Potato Head. Mm-hmm. So that is amazing. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's just, again, great choice. Great casting. And the fact that they fo- follow through on something that they established as a side joke is right. really great because you have all these moments in this franchise where it's like a character will say an offhanded comment and then they legitimize it with some with like with the introduction of a real character or, or like a plot device. So it's it's always like when you hear Potato Head talking about a Miss Potato Head in the first movie, you're like, Oh, that's silly. That's that would never yeah. happen. They bring it back in the end and then make her a character in the second yeah, one. Yeah, and a what great, a great choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and this one too, I, I thought where we actually established that Woody is an antique sort of old toy, right? Right. Yeah, it's never mentioned in the first film right. until until this one. 
I thought the most interesting thing about this that you guys were talking about was the theory that um, Jesse belonged to Andy's mother. Yeah, that's that's been going around the internet. Like there was like one web page that like theorized that. Right, but but we while we do get the girl's name, we never get the mother's name. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. That would be fun. That would be very Pixar to do. Yeah, and it's you know, and there's definitely the person who made this argument online has a, a lot of evidence that could substantiate it. Like the idea that in the first film, Andy's wearing a cowboy hat, but it in fact is the Jesse hat. Yeah, and the not Jesse Woody's version. Hat, yeah, which like is if maybe this all of these toys were just hand me downs from his mother. Um, that like survived the years or whatever and so that's why it also meant a lot to him from like the montage like you know seeing that you know that girl her having the same hat on the bed mm-hmm. and, and everything mm-hmm. so it's not proven but it's it's a nice theory and it's, yeah. it's fun to think that it's true so um, this is the one where he accidentally gets in the yard sale and then Wayne Knight comes in as <laughs> of course his grubby character that he always plays yeah. and I love it he's like that he He's the mascot for this toy store as this like chicken. Yeah, right. Yeah, the like chicken the, shack or like toy yeah, barn. Yeah, Al's toy barn. Al's toy Al's, barn. Al's toy barn. And he's like trying to, he's like a bastard. He's like trying to buy Woody. Yeah. Or, and uh, because he's a collectible. It's like, yeah. he's like, he's basically, which is also funny because it also makes me for, feel sort of bad you too. Not shit. only that I give up toys, but that I treat toys as not toys and like want them like in glass cases and to mm-hmm. protect them because like he's so disgusting in this movie. And yeah. well, and and how often like I mean I don't know you hear these stories all the time like oh, I got this at a garage sale for twenty five cents and and, it, and it's like worth seventeen thousand dollars yeah yeah and it's like ah, ha, ha. but then you go oh but that that kind of sucks of you you're kind of a douche yeah yeah, yeah. it <laughs> makes no, you like feel bad about it well then he does he doesn't he like just he like well he, he he has like a pile of he piles up a whole bunch of junk that he doesn't care about but throws Woody in there yeah and says oh I'll give you like uh, seventy five cents for all this junk yeah and, but she. Notices season. Woody. Yeah, but then he, that's when he starts going, I'll give you $5, 10 Yeah. And, and then he steals them, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because the mom is super awesome in that scene. She's like, absolutely not for sale, like stands her ground, pulls him out, and like puts him in the lockbox, you know? Yeah. But she's like, okay, Woody's safe. And like even the toys from the window are like, yeah, Andy's mom, yeah. you're awesome, you're awesome. And then, yeah, Wayne Knight comes back and literally like steals him. Yeah. Which, which is, is like so fucked up. Way messed up. Yeah. Um, and Then, so then he gets... He had oh that's because at the beginning he has that little tear so Andy doesn't take him to cowboy oh. camp yeah so sad and he gets put on the shelf with Wheezy <laughs> the saddest character <laughs> in film history yeah, the absolutely. cutest a little uh, penguin squeak toy yeah. who's he been like who has emphysema or something yeah. <laughs> his squeaker's broken it's like I thought Andy's mom went to get you a new squeaker <laughs> yeah. I thought you went to live in a farm <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> But he's been wasting away on that shelf for years. It's like, Jesus Look, And he said, like, he could have been calling, but no one could hear him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so God. sad. Well, heartstrings pulled. <laughs> I know. They basically play Wheezy. Wheezy is the personification of the death scene of a character for an entire film. Like yeah. him, like, being carried in someone's arms, like, barely on his last stretch. Bless you, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, Tiny Tim and, like, yeah. every war veteran, like, on the field of battle, like, <laughs> all mixed into one. And so that, he gets put in the yard cell, and then Woody goes to save him, yeah, essentially. Yeah, goes to rescue him, yeah. And then Woody gets taken away by... Uh, well, I guess he, he's not Al, is he? Yeah, yeah, he's he is Al. Al of Al's toy barn. So he owns the toy barn, yeah. and then he collects things separately. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he's like he runs a, a 
like a, a popular toy store as well as he is a toy aficionado and sells mm-hmm. things privately. Well, and I like how they pepper things in in the plot because it's the characters seeing the commercial. Mm-hmm. And you see the, your first introduction to him is him being ridiculous in this commercial for Al's Toy Barn. Yeah. And I thought that was really awesome. And that in this one, we go to a toy store. Like, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That sequence is amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'll, a little bit about the introduction of like Woody to who he is and Jesse and um, the prospector. Oh, yeah. Gr- just great. Jesse with her crazy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's, she's psycho. So intense. Well, like, which you sort of discover is like not only part of her personality naturally, but because she's been boxed up for so long. Yeah. yeah. It's like she has this horrible fear of like basically being buried alive because like being collect. <laughs> oh, yeah, because being a collectible toy. Like in having to be kept in mint condition, she gets locked away for years at a time, and it's like this like horrible suffering. Like she's yeah. like Jesus Christ. It's like these movies like go so dark with yeah. all their concepts. And an introduction of Bullseye, Bullseye. Yeah. the best, the best yeah, toy so in the history cute. of everything. I have a Bullseye like the deluxe edition on my desk at work, and it's my favorite thing. And I to this day. Still uh, believe no. everyone. Some people have said they don't agree, <laughs> but scary. if I had a magic genie, I would wish for a life-size bullseye. He just he looked just like bullseye. <laughs> He's scary, but he would be horse-sized yeah. and soft and plushy and just like him. And I could ride him around and oh be God. awesome. It He's would so be great. Scary. He would not be scary. Never give up your dream, Matthew. I okay, won't. Someday, I won't. someday, buddy. I just don't understand why he would be scary big, but not scary small. I don't think he's scary. Yeah, well, it's like Gumby. Doesn't, yeah, Amanda thinks Gumby's he's scary. scary. as he gets bigger because he's got crazy eyes. I, know. <laughs> I think Bullseye would be just as cute. And oh, if, if, if I said he was Gumby. Just I meant nice. um, Pokey, the, the horse. Pokey's, Pokey's cute never. Too. Uh, Pokey's not cute. He's not as cute as Bullseye. <laughs> not as cute as Bullseye. <laughs> no, Bullseye's way cuter. Anyways, yeah. That's, yeah, this I is get important. that. This is Whatever. an important part of the podcast. This is what the podcast is about. We've been debating this for years, though, so yeah. it is actually kind of important. <laughs> well, if anybody's listening, I'd love to hear your votes on whether or not Bullseye would be awesome as a real horse. Leave or it not. in the comments what yeah. you agree with. Exactly. Real Bullseye horrifying <laughs> or awesome? <laughs> um, but then we meet the prospector. Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete as voiced by Kelsey Grammer, which is great. Kelsey Grammer yeah. is just one of the best voiceover actors ever. Him as um, Sideshow Bob is like one of my favorite mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that he got in. I, I, it's kind of weird he wasn't there before. It was like a Cheers reunion too, right? Because how many of them? How many Cheers? We have Ratzenberger yeah, and Grammer. Yeah. Is that? It? I thought. Did we notice like there was like a third Cheers? Like there person? was like. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I don't know, yeah, but yeah, that that was such a fun introduction, and that is Stinky Pete. Like this whole premise too is really strong. Yeah. Is that he's a collectible now. The collection's complete. With the introduction of Woody, Woody didn't realize he was a show like way back in the whatever 50s or yeah. 60s, and he was a puppet, and it was like a marionette, marionette, uh-huh. marionette puppet show. Yeah, um, where he started in and like saved the day, and like <laughs> the prospector Stinky Pete was like this bumbling idiot, which is so funny because it's voiced by Kelsey Grammer, who's just one of the most intellectually sounding. Right. But it's kind of the same premise as Sideshow Bob too. If I wanted mm-hmm. to just point that out, is like. That idea of that that's really smart, intelligent guy being made to be the butt of the jokes at all points. Yeah, for sure. And just the whole, like, I love the way they animate the TV series as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it really looks like dangling puppets and, like, that whole Howdy Doody, like, era thing. And just, like, and uh, you get another Randy Newman song, yeah. which is, like, 
unbelievable. It's like su- such a classic song now. Yeah, and I think for little girls, you know, you got Woody, you got Buzz. Now you get Jesse. You know, mm-hmm. a choice of and being for, like for little boys. Jesse's my favorite. No, I know, but I just mean as far as like an inspiration <laughs> yeah, for yeah. a little girl to look up to another girl. Yeah, it was yeah. like, oh, she's like a strong girl character. It was mm-hmm. fun and interesting and like, you know, had a really strong point of view on things and, you know, great costumes. Like, that's the one thing we didn't talk about a lot, but I feel like the costume designs and all of the mm-hmm. characters are super awesome. And she's so cute with her little cow print and stuff. Like, yeah. I've seen many of kids dressed up like her for Halloween. That's like the sweetest yeah. thing. It's really Matthew nice. Too. <laughs> yeah, Matthew too. He's never been. I've never been Jesse for Halloween. I'll be Buzz. You could be Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What, what am I? What am I experiencing here? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? You what, could be Bullseye, <laughs> Ranger. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Matthew, get that look out of your eye. Oh, God. It's like Tusk, tusk, but it's bullseye. Oh, God. Exactly. I haven't seen that yet, so I don't know. Yeah, we need to. We have to watch that. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Anyway, sorry. But, uh... (gasps) But yeah, the uh, yeah the whole introduction of these characters is great because you that's like the one that's Woody's plot line, and then you have Buzz's, which is like sort of simultaneously happening like in a B story, which is not only the the effort to save yeah, Woody, it's reverse now in this movie he's trying to save Woody. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the tables have turned, and now Buzz is like he's grown, he's grown as a toy, like he knows what he is, he's accepted it, and he's okay with it, and. Uh, but what's great is that he has the other part of his beeline is the Zerg introduction, yeah. which is actually the first scene in the film. Yeah, it's um, like a well, we don't know what's going on because it's it it looks like some kind of crazy Buzz Lightyear adventure. Yeah, like animated as though he were real, Correct. not like not as a toy anymore, but like this real like him entering Zerg's like fortress and fighting off the aliens and all that type of stuff. And it's great. It's like they didn't really do that in the first movie so much. Uh, they because they show just Andy playing with the toys right. on like home videos and stuff. But this is like the first time like the idea of the toy being real to kids is like represented in the in the movie itself. And it's great. It's fun to see Buzz like jump mm-hmm. around and fly and like, you know, be be a real space ranger. Yeah, when he's jumping across the little the little oh, floaty um, discs. Floaty discs and then it falls and he's able to bring it back up. I thought that was such a great touch of like you see what the kids know about Buzz because before that we just kind of had a general idea. Not a flying toy. <laughs> <laughs> Not a flying toy. Uh, that was one of the better jokes too um and and then him going through the toy store and seeing all the other buzzes yeah and getting swapped with another buzz so now buzz thinks he's buzz again yeah so you don't have to lose that dynamic that was like really funny from the first movie but it's also it's like switched just enough so it doesn't feel like you're rehashing it because now buzz is having to deal with himself which is really funny to watch him go through that. And uh, I guess the second movie having, like, being replaced into Al's Toy Barn for part of the movie, now you're getting an introduction of a bunch of other toys and franchises that, like, I guess they might not have had the rights to the first time, like Barbies, which is really funny. So Barbie as a tour guide, as voiced by Ariel. Oh, from Little Mermaid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I didn't What's her know. name again? Jody Benson. Jody Benson. Oh, nice. Did the voice of Barbie. That's awesome. Yeah, and she's like, okay, I'll take you on a tour. Get in. And they're like, all right. <laughs> like, they're getting in. And they're but having, I, like, the pool party. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then the guys are just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's just like half the jokes in these movies with, like, Potato Head and stuff are, and, like, all the guy characters are just, like, boner jokes. They're yeah. just like. They're super, like, 80s comedies, like, John Hughes film, like, yeah. bits. Yeah, because uh, Potato Might as well be Fast Times. <laughs> Potato is I'm a married 
married spud. I'm a married spud. <laughs> and then John Ratzenberg is all, well, then make room for the single fellas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you have, like, awesome. Potato Head, too, like, making out with Miss Potato Head in the log cabin. <laughs> You remember that? Oh yeah, when they're like, when uh, the dog comes in to like look for Woody. Yeah, they're yeah, just like, in there like kissing. Yeah, but it's inanimate or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's That's great. So funny. <laughs> Super funny. I like the premise too of like bringing in the idea of collectibles. I think that's the thing. You know, I was so turned off to the second movie of like, oh, what are they? What could they do? Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was like. Hey, well done! Like yeah. your your concept of there's another level with toys, and that people collect them, and because they grow up, it, because they mm-hmm. grow up, and yeah. then these become you know items of value in other countries. So that's Al's big thing is that he mm-hmm. wants to sell it to some guy in Japan, mm-hmm. right? It was Japan, yes, yeah, 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 and uh, and and part of a museum, but he needs the full collection in order to do it. What a great want, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. why the stakes are so high like, to have Woody because that, but then also not just that he wants it, but that Jesse. And the prospector want it too. Yeah, because they don't want to be locked away anymore. Because at least if they're on display, they're being admired, which I think right. is part of like the toys, like power. Like they, they feel powerless when they're put in a box and they're hidden away. You know. Yeah. So that sure. was interesting. But well, you, you had to think about it, and I always I always think about it in kind of a broader term too. Is that they're, they're going to a toy museum, right? So yeah. there will be lots and lots of other toys mm-hmm. there. It would be an it would be another dynamic like Andy's room but a whole museum full of toys and that that you know like what he's his argument is like just standing behind glass all day well that would probably that would be the day but you would still have that time night at the museum yeah exactly (laughs) exactly like I mean it's like it's not all that bad he made it I don't know I know for the plot for the sake of the plot that made it seem like they they would be immobile forever well I guess it sort of depends on the museum like in in Al's toy barn where they're being held, like they can open their little glass cases and mm-hmm. pop out and do stuff and hang out amongst Woody's like paraphernalia and stuff. But, you know, in a museum, maybe that's just a lockdown box. You know what I mean? Like they'd be stuck in there. Strapped again. in. Like I think it, it it's a great dynamic because you have two separate perspectives from characters who are living two varied lives currently, which is Jesse and Stinky Pete and Bullseye have lived the terror of being in the dark. And Woody is coming from, oh, no, I have it even better than a museum. I have a boy who still wants to play with me and loves me mm-hmm. and, like, I get interacted with. Friends. So they're having to meet in the middle, and Jesse and them see the potential for it. And Woody says, no, this is a step down for me. Yeah. So it's it's a believable conflict between those characters. And, uh, yeah, and I actually, like, always really liked the the journey to – Al's toy barn as well. Mm-hmm. Like oh, how, the little like, cones. Yeah. Oh man, the cone <laughs> sequence is amazing. Like, yeah. there's so much destruction in that. <laughs> just these, like, them trying to get across the street, and it's just so cute. Like the the cleverness of the staging and the set pieces being these, like, on such a small scale, but it affecting you like in such a big way is awesome. It's so great. Yeah. And all, and I guess we watched. Um, we noticed later, but in the journey from the house. And before they oh, even yeah. get to the street that they're going through, like, the leaves and the bushes and through the neighborhood and Slinky Dog is, like, helping them along and stuff. That in one of the scenes, because of the bloopers, that the bugs from A Bug's Life are on yeah. one of the bushes. Which oh, is not- yeah. At the yeah. end of this movie, when they show the bloopers, it shows the bug life characters in this sequence, but very tiny. But I think yeah. we verified that they, in fact, were there. Yeah, they are in the actual movie. Yeah, that's in so awesome. In the actual scene, which is another great Easter egg. That's awesome. Like, Because so. you'd never notice it in the movie. They're so small yeah. in comparison. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden you <laughs> to see them in context. Yeah. yeah, that's so fun. Like, again, like, it just speaks to the 
fact that these people had such a great time making this, you know, so passionate about what they were creating. Yeah. You know, a lot of the times just a job and they're trying to get through, but this, they were like, let's add this. You know, I feel like when ideas get put in like that, it's just that they're so pumped up about what they're doing that they're like, we just want to add to it and make it even more better and special. Um, I like the twists of Stinky Pete, which although probably predictable <laughs> that he like turns on them, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's like, no, you know, I, what's his deal especially? He's like, I know we're going to be in the museum. I want to be well, put on display or he, he, jealous of Buzz. Or, I mean, of Woody, obviously. Yeah. Well, cause he, well, he's a, he's a toy that never got bought. Yeah, that's why oh, there were thousands right. of Stinky Peets left on the shelves because yeah. no one wants a Stinky Pete toy. Well, he's lucky he would even get to be in that museum. <laughs> then. <laughs> Doesn't make him not resentful for the years of being not loved or whatever. Aw. But uh, it's, it's it's very. I, I imagine it similar to the ET Atari graveyard. Yeah, like there's also a landfill <laughs> full of Stinky Peets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just this army. <laughs> that would have been an awesome thing to happen in the third movie, yeah, you actually. Just, you just see this giant pile of Sneaky Pete's in the boxes. Yeah, suck. just like super fucking angry and sad. And that, yeah, that's a really, really funny image. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the journey of those characters, like turning on each other, is awesome. And then while that's happening, you have Buzz's reveal of Zerg. And like they're like the yeah. Star Wars reveal essentially of like it's his dad and everything and just <laughs> everything awesome. with like Rex in this movie is especially oh, Rex funny. Rex is super funny in this because one. he's like at the beginning of the movie trying to beat Zerg in the video game, like the Super Nintendo game or whatever yeah. that he's playing with his little thumbs, with his little <laughs> arms or whatever, and he's just desperate. So the whole time he's like looking for the strategy guide when they're in Al's toy barn, and uh, when he actually meets Zerg for real in the elevator shaft. It's like this genuine conflict mm-hmm. for him. <laughs> it's I don't know. Rex I, I think Rex actually ended up being my favorite character of the franchise comedy wise, watching it this yeah. this time through. Uh, reading through it, I guess he was created by Joss Whedon. Oh really? He's one of the characters created by Joss Whedon. Oh nice. Yeah. That's yeah. funny he didn't so. die. <laughs> yeah, weird. He should have yeah, died. Kill him off. But that kind of humor actually like makes isn't kind of in line, I think, with what Joss Whedon does, you mm-hmm. know, so it makes sense. But that's great. Yeah, yeah, he was really so funny, funny. <laughs> in this and his like constant need for validation and yeah. I don't know, just fun. Yeah, I forgot about that uh, Star Wars reference. Like, yeah, oh, I'm your father oh. or whatever. No, and just oh, he's a great dad. Like <laughs> yeah. like how cornball they like like make oh, that scene. Oh my god, yeah, like throwing the <laughs> yeah, he throws and hits Zerg in the head. Great throw, son. son. Yeah, so fun. <laughs> so yeah, after we like deal with Zerg and that threat has essentially been diminished. Uh, then we the next major threat is that Woody and Jesse and Stinky Pete and Bullseye actually do end up getting boxed up in their crates and are getting shipped off to uh, to the airport for the toy museum in mm-hmm. Japan. And now it's another pursuit, which is funny because I never thought of these movies as like action movies, but they yeah. really are. Like for the most part, they have more high quality action sequences than a lot of regular action movies. Well, do. they're action figures. Oh, yeah. oh shit. That's Luke. true. <laughs> Keep that part in. I will. Oh, it's, oh, it's staying in for sure. I'm actually going to play it twice. Um, but yeah, no, it's like this these, this another great sequence of like physical peril and like taking what is would be a mundane environment, which is like an airport luggage, yeah. you know, carrier. Make it high stakes. And make it super high stakes. Well, and they steal a car first. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, 
<laughs> like and the aliens are the wand of power. <laughs> yeah, they're hanging from the mir- rear view mirror yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that part is great. And yeah. it, there's a yeah, I just think that's such a fun thing like them chasing after him and that they just keep raising the stakes, you know? It's like no, they're like going to be on the airplane and there's nothing they're going to be able to do if that happens, you know. Yeah. So Japan, you know, the con- just like to a little kid, you're like, "Oh my god, Japan's so far away." Like yeah. That we're never gonna get them back. Like that would be impossible. But what's also great is that the whole the whole concept of the luggage shipment area. It's a place where there's no people. Yeah. So it's you know because whenever they're around people, they have to pretend like, to be yeah. toys. Yeah, yeah they have to ragdoll. Right. And so you know this is a great environment for them to be active, but also would present a lot of obstacles. Yeah. You know it's it's really really again just so clever and like the tension is like really high in these sequences. I remember just now uh, the sequence where. There, there's cheesy poofs all over the floor. It's oh like a cheesy poof God. landmine, and just like there he's walking towards Wayne Knight's character, and then Bullseye's following, and he's they're like, crunch, like, "No, crunch. stay, stay, Bullseye." <laughs> and you see his like little, his four little like ragdoll legs, like trying not to crunch the cheesy poofs. <laughs> it's just so awesome. Yeah, that's a super funny sequence. It's so sequence. good, but it's just all like all this uh, staging is just so well put together in these mm-hmm. these scenes. Well, in that sequence too, just we have to mention is Bullseye starts licking the guy's fingers because oh, yeah. he's got the cheese fingers. Yeah, like the cheese fingers. Because <laughs> Bullseye would be like super obsessed with that. Is like yeah, really totally funny. like what your dog Dobby would do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think <laughs> just high stakes. You know, they really raised it and made you invest in like the characters and like the you know like no. Yeah, and just Stinky Pete just being the worst. Like yes. he's just he's like the so selfish. Of the Pete. Yeah, the stinkiest Pete that ever <laughs> lived. He tears Woody's arm again with the with this pickaxe. Yeah, purposely oh. with his little yeah. plastic pickaxe, which I think is hilarious. So which he uses up. a lot. Like he uses like the tighten the screw back on the air vent. Yeah, to so, like, like block the gang from yeah, coming like, in, stealing like, Woody back. Yeah, it's so great. He like he just turns and then twirls it, and then when it gets to the point where he needs to tighten it, he just he like just hammers it home. Yeah, just lovers like, he's it. He's so good with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really had enough time to learn the, the practicality yeah. of that pickaxe. Well, that was another good Rex moment, too, of like, I'm going to use my head. And then they, they usually, like, pick him up and use him as a ramming yeah, yeah. thing. So that's funny. <laughs> yeah, they abuse Rex a little bit in these <laughs> movies. It's fine, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, once you get through the luggage sequence, then you're actually out on the tarmac. Yeah. And that's like legit. That's like Fast and the Furious type stuff going on, like <laughs> them being on the wheel well and like having to swing down. Well, you know, while they're you know, you know, I guess I guess they're riding bullseye, right? Is it what's coming up to uh, help them, or how are they being saved there? Well, yeah. Well, first Buzz like is on the top of the luggage carrier, like like a train, like so he's like running across at the top of it, like yeah, a train, yeah. and they get loaded up into uh, the plane, and they're about to make their way to the door, and that gets closed on them. And yeah, they they open up some hatch to to the wheel well, which I think is really dangerous because it, it was like it was like a sealed hatch, like an airtight yeah. hatch. I was like, oh god, that plane. Yeah, it's gonna crash. <laughs> Everyone, yeah. it's gonna depressurize before they get it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, we won't think about that. It's yeah. like all the cars that wrecked in the cone sequence. Like after this is done, you just see the plane like blow up like in the sky <laughs> or whatever. Start a final destination. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but they're on the wheel, and yeah, I think. Buzz Buzz is riding bull, Bullseye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can't remember how Bullseye got out. I, I think they all just got bounced like bounced out of the luggage like mm-hmm. once they made it to like a certain point cuz Stinky Pete essentially got dealt with in the luggage area. That's true, yeah. So they there was no threat of that anymore. Yeah, cuz uh cuz uh uh Jesse and Woody got stuck and the thing closed on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, like they when they yeah they slid out of the compartment and but Woody was still hanging out, so he had a ragdoll for the yeah. luggage handler. And yeah, they, yeah. They just closed him back up in it. For sure. Okay. Yeah, and then they that the great scene where they like used the pull string to like swing down under yeah. the wheel and like you know you know get saved and it's cool too because it's one of those in much like Aladdin or something it's like one of those moments where it's just like Woody's like you gotta trust me you know mm-hmm. like you gotta like learn at some point you have to learn to let go and like say sometimes not everything's in your control and uh yeah and so they they basically have this wonderful like uh call back to the tradition of western american you know filmmaking with this like like you said running along the train top and yeah. coming up with the horse and everything and basically fulfilling in the real world what they always imagined they would have been mm-hmm. in the tv show which is like just really good writing <laughs> it's just the arc it just always arcs back yeah and, and just so wonderful that jesse and and bullseye are now part of the gang you know mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. they're in with everyone and the fact that there is a romance between because jesse seems like a sister to um woody because yeah. you're wondering oh it's a girl cow girl yeah it's a cowgirl so you're like oh maybe there'll be a love interest but what about bo peep you yeah, know yeah. and then that jesse becomes uh a love buzzes. interest to buzz yeah. which i think is so cute yeah when she does all the acrobatics to free the dog and buzzes wings, wings pop boing. out yeah another <laughs> no, boner, joke. boner joke nothing but boner jokes in toy store <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome because she's so cool and fun and again joan cusack just like kills yeah, she it kills she's it. so good yeah. in that role and yeah i mean we didn't talk about i mean you talked about it at the beginning of your poster but just one of the saddest scenes ever of course uh, yeah you know sung a song sung by sarah mclaughlin mm. of this girl leaving her doll behind you know yeah and like i think it's just a sweetness the the image that will always stick in my mind is the car ride yeah or her you know she she's snuggled under the seat up, belt with her she's under the seat belt with her and she snuggled up with her and i think it's just like I think a lot of these movies themes have a lot to do with loss of innocence also, mm-hmm. which is, that, you know, that kind of like terrifying coming of age moments where you're like, oh, it, life is hard. Like things, mm-hmm. bad things happen and it's not always safe, but you know your safe spots, you know, and yeah. being removed from that is so devastating. Yeah. And relationships and, change and dynamics yeah. between characters and people change, you know, yeah. as you grow up, like the in that montage, just like her under the bed and like ragdolled and like you see the dust pile like collecting Mm -hmm. on her and all she can see is like the feet of like her owner that like growing up going to a teenager yeah you see like all of the like girl uh like little girl stuff disappear and all the toys replaced by makeup and music and you know and records yeah she's dragged she's you just see the phone dragged back and forth as she's on it yeah yeah which is a great touch like all that stuff is really good touch yeah just easily well for me that i think for a lot of people too the saddest sequence in the whole franchise i think so too it's just like again sarah mclaughlin does not help with any of that yeah (laughs) that and adopting pets yeah yeah i need to go adopt a puppy after this (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) and name it jesse for sure (laughs) yeah but But yeah that's beautiful just beautiful like i mean there's something that you know i talk about with pixar a lot is like they really know how to tug the heartstrings mm-hmm. even though uh disney did that in early stage like the golden years sort of i feel like they learned a lot from pixar when it came to oh, those yeah. heartstrings yeah. tugging because you notice things like uh like lilo and stitch mm-hmm. there's so much more heartfelt stuff in that movie yeah. and i mean i'm sure chris anders the director add a lot of that too because that's his kind of mo but mm-hmm. It seems like it kind of influenced Disney's way of like 
really relatable, really tough situations that make you go like, I know how that feels and like really feel something when you're watching these kids movies, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I think they influence a lot more than just kids movies, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I hope so. It was like, I mean, uh, at this point and I think up through like even The Incredibles, it was like Pixar was the most profitable film company dollar for dollar in the history of cinema yeah like it was like because all of their movies were breaking three four or five hundred million dollars internationally and like it's just awesome that they like had managed to take movies whose plots weren't necessarily just about like entertainment and like managing to make that relatable like for the mass audience Mm -hmm. it was like that was like a that's a really hard thing to do especially with like when you take movies and plots and characters into places that are that dark it's easy just to leave it dark but none of these movies feel cynical. They're no, not cynical yeah. movies. They're just real. And it's like, it, that's a hard thing to balance because you could easily just take it dark and then just be depressing and that's yeah. it. But you always get left with like, oh, that's part of life and that's okay. And there's other good things too. Yeah. Just kind of like the the bumps and bruises you get along the way that builds character, you know, yeah. it makes you a better person or a better toy or an appreciate, you know, more appreciative yeah. You know, Jesse coming into the toy environment of being in that room, she's just so happy to be there. Yeah. You know, and that's so exciting. And I think that's so important for kids. But talk about like the so smart. I mean, again, they made it relatable things such as toys, but what a marketing ploy too. I yeah. mean, Toy Story toys and merchandise, yeah. I'm sure, sold multi billions. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah. It's like insane. And only this furthered that because, like I said, Jesse was like such a huge, huge mm-hmm. thing and Bullseye mm-hmm. so big. And it's like it's neat to see a franchise like add to itself like that. They're like, how are they going to add to themselves? Mm-hmm. They really, really set it up nicely in the first one and just simple, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and once again, shelves of Stinky Feet's were yeah. not purchased. <laughs> no one knows Stinky Pete. I've never seen him. I don't think I've actually ever seen a Stinky Pete toy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is appropriate. Nobody. Well, wants I don't think I've seen a Zorg toy or Zerg. I've seen toy. Zerg toys. Yeah. Have you? Okay. Toys yeah, for, for sure. sure. That's funny. Because they had a whole space line of buzzes that were like. Well, they had the whole cartoon series. Yeah, they had the, a 2D animated show. Oh, that's stuff, right. So. That's right. So of course they would. But that's interesting. Yeah, no stinky Pete. <laughs> I gotta it's get just a an old stinky man. <laughs> yeah, who would want that? I wonder what the, what they would actually make him smell like if they made the toy because the deluxe Lotso, which we'll get to that character in the next movie, actually does smell like strawberries. Yeah. So what does Stinky Pete smell like? Like sweat. Sweat and poo I or don't something. Know. The prospector, <laughs> I would say mines, sweaty mines, dirty. Oh, I, I guess like skunk smell would probably be. Oh, that's good. Eh? Just weed. Sounds <laughs> 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 like pot. Um, Dude, Stinky Pete. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Stinky Pete? Check out my newest record. Okay. I, I have a note here. <laughs> I have a note here, for, uh, which is one of my favorite jokes, actually, in this movie, uh, is with Rex again. And it's uh, when he's running behind the cars, the Jurassic Park uh, oh, homage. Yeah. And he's, like, stomping behind them. It's, like, objects and mirror. Their, yeah, the yeah, review. It's, like, so great. It's, like, really funny. See, again, people who love what they're doing, adding fun stuff. And uh, there was also a joke where uh, Woody is trying to play it cool, and he has this like cool man <laughs> walk, which is like, oh my god, talk about just that's right. immaculate animating. Like whoever <laughs> animated him, like doing his cool man, is like my hero. Yeah, that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And you know, what I found that was interesting about a lot of the animation in these characters, especially as the series goes on, is that obviously it's like Tom Hanks is 
Woody. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. in some parts, Woody is Tom Hanks. Like the way they animate him is like I totally see Tom Hanks in that. Yeah. Not absolutely. just the voice. And that's the same with Jesse with Joan Cusack. You know how Joan Cusack kind of has that strange voice where you feel like yeah. she's talking out of her mouth. She's got kind of like a lisp and out of the side of her mouth. Yeah. A little outside bit. of her mouth, you would you can see that in Jesse. Yeah. It's like they definitely absolutely. did like face kind of matching mm-hmm. in some aspects of it to make it feel even more like matching the voice with the character and the and the animation. For I thought sure. that was really cool. Yeah. It also felt like most of the characters weren't really pushing the boundaries of their voice. No. Like they, they weren't trying to pretend to be someone else. They they were they, really they, just, they weren't doing not crazy crazy. Yeah, like, like they're well, just them. Yeah, like Kelsey Grammer. Like Kelsey Grammer's a prospector. Like Jesse they, they gave Jesse a little, little bit of a southern flair. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, Stinky Pete, he's supposed to be an old prospector. But here he is talking very eloquently. Yeah, it's Kelsey Grammer. He, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer only does one voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But which they actually they continue in the third movie in which we'll transition that momentarily, but I think is why that movie is not as high in my list as some people put it is I feel like it's a rehash of a lot of things. Like uh you said like Kelsey Grammer being like dignified and sneaky Pete. Mm kind of gets rehashed in the next movie with Timothy Dalton as Prickle Pants. Like, not that it's a bad character, or not that it's, like, not actually really funny, but it just doesn't feel new. Like, Toy Story 2 felt like it took the whatever was good in the first movie and then elevated it to the next step. And it was like, okay, I'm glad these characters are back, that they're going through new adventures. And then for me, which we'll get to in a second, third one doesn't quite make that leap as well as I think it Mm -hmm. should. Well, I guess, like, if you kind of look at it, the, the Pixar movies to me that aren't as good or as successful are the ones where characters are being more bizarre than their actual speaking voice. Yeah. Like, like A Bug's Life. I like A Bug's Life, but a lot of the p- actors in that or are playing weird characters. Yeah. Um, Although I do love Heimlich. Yeah. I do love him a lot. The Caterpillar is the best. But then you go back to The Incredibles. Like, everyone who's doing the voices for The Incredibles are just doing their own natural speaking voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. Holly Hunter as Elastigirl is like one yeah. of my favorites. And you just believe the things that they're saying. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Well, anything else major about Toy Story 2? I take it all back. <laughs> what? Oh, that your initial hate of it? Yeah, but it's because I was such an elitist, you know, about it. And I, I didn't give them enough credit that they would take it and make it even better. So. Well, you 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 were putting upon them judgments that should have been saved for the Cars era and stuff. Like yeah. they they had lost their way. And I was talking to someone about this recently, actually, about how the change in Pixar really pretty much happened when Disney bought them. Like mm-hmm. it's of course, exactly, more cooks. Are you like kidding exactly me? Exactly the moment they got bought out is when t- Pixar died. I don't want to give John Lasseter too much credit. I mean, he is the face and the head of of what Pixar was, and mm-hmm. I I feel like he he probably was the one honing in on the vision. Collaboration of a very a bunch Steve of Jobs. T- we, we Steve, Jobs too. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah, how, Steve yeah. Jobs just letting him do their thing, like giving money to the company. He had an office, and they said he never came. He just mm-hmm. was like, "I hired you to do a job, and I trust that you can do it." And that's. Yeah big and that's the problem with disney disney has their grubby hands and fucking everything and so they're gonna come in and like hump everything to death and make things less good and that's why it's a problem now with those pixars they're just not as interesting yeah too many cooks too many cooks for sure well on that note i guess we can move on to the third movie in the franchise which is toy story 3 which came out in 2010 
And uh, I don't yeah. know about this one. I Again, I was kind of like, well, what are we doing here? Why is there another Toy Story? Well, you know what's great about this is, is we all knew each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we all knew each other when this came out. That's, that's I'm pretty, well, maybe. Actually, no. Yeah, I think we didn't you didn't, didn't know Richard? Two thousand ten? I met you in December. You in December of twenty ten. Interesting. So you Why? take it back, Richard. <laughs> no. I knew you in spirit. We're not friends. We're not friends. Well, I, yet. I knew Richard in, when this came out. Um I you know, I having watched it again, my I like it a little more than I used to, mm-hmm. but I still don't think it's up to the caliber of the first two movies. Ken steals the show. Ken does steal the show. He's Ken pretty awesome. Ken is hilarious because yeah. they make him like Barbie. It's like he would be just as much of obsessed with his accessories, if not more. And <laughs> I, again, to the credit of the animation, like one of my favorite things is him coming down in the elevator for the first time. But the elevator's like clunky because if you ever had like a Barbie dream house or whatever and the elevator, it's plastic. So it's it it. It's not Shitty. perfect, yeah, down, so it's, like, kind of clunky. Yeah. I mean, brilliant. I love that detail. I yeah, love that detail. The, the contrast of him being, like, so, like, posh about it is and amazing. And he has, like, the shitty plastic crap toys. But I love his different outfits. Like, that's so funny. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I like I like, I like Michael this. Keaton. Anything yeah. Michael Keaton is, Michael Keaton. Uh, is perfect. Yeah. You pepper him in, and it's going to be a good show. Yeah, absolutely. But I just remember going to see this movie and being so disturbed in the first 10 to 15 minutes by how little trust they had in Woody. Like that's my, that was like the first thing that flagged me being like this, there's something wrong with this movie is that we spent 10 to 15 years having established that they've been through thick and thin together. They've trusted and distrusted each other and learned lessons. And then when you get to the third movie, it's like Woody is like a stranger to them. It's like Woody's sitting there telling them, no, I overheard. We're going in the attic. We're not being thrown away. And mm-hmm. they all disregard him. Yeah. And I was like, since when? Since when has Woody not been their leader? In the first movie, they had some distrust because, like, they thought they saw him murder somebody. Okay, great. But, like, <laughs> not now. Not after all we've been through. Yeah, I think that yeah. definitely was a weak story point. Yeah, it was, like, drama for drama's sake. And not mm-hmm. only that it was just, like, unmotivated – but it was also spinning your wheels. Like it was like we've been through this conflict before. Yeah. It's not yeah. introducing anything new to the dynamic of these characters. And I think that just set a bad tone for me for the rest of the film. Like I kind of gave it like a harumph, like arms crossed, like for the rest of the movie. And it had to like win me over again, which it had characters and moments that I enjoyed, but not enough to get over what I felt was a, a harsh oversight of this universe. Yeah, because I think the idea of, like, him going off to college was definitely a natural choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, like, like I was speaking about earlier about, like, you just don't have the heart to get rid of certain things, you know? And I, I just think that, yeah, you're right. Like, there was no way or reason why they should have mistrusted Woody, you know? Yeah, it just, like... I just didn't understand. It made me distrust the motivations of the people writing the movie. It was Mm -hmm. like, to me, for a series that was all about detail, that's not even a small detail. That's a major character relationship that they just seem to ignore. Yeah, didn't Pat, I think Pat um, O'Reilly was saying that they had a version of the script they were working on already starting to make, and then somebody else wrote one, and that's the one they they scrapped everything and went with it. Um, It was... Maybe Andrew Stanton? 
Well, Stanton's uh, been part of like a lot of the doctoring yeah. of scripts for Pixar for a long time. Oh, the screenplay, uh, Michael Arndt? Yeah, Michael Arndt is the one, and he directed this one as well, right? Yeah. Or is it Lee Unkridge? And Lee Unkridge. Um, it looks like <coughs> the, uh, if it's, uh, Lee it's Unkridge. Lee Unkridge directed. directed, but Michael Arndt wrote it, and he's the guy that like wrote Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, okay, yeah, that's he's like, I came up with a concept, and then they scrapped everything they had before and, and went, and went with this. So I don't know if maybe that's just a weak plot point that transferred over to his script or like he brought in something bad or they were trying to meld the two in some way and it just wasn't as strong like i mm. definitely feel like anytime you start a production and not clear vision is in place and you like scrap anything or whatever it's gonna be like bad news bears yeah. i think more than anything though it's just a tell that the person who was guiding these characters in this story was outside of pixar like they brought this is one of the first movies where they brought someone else in to Pixar to write like they're one of their main franchises like like Michael Arndt he's like I said he's little Miss Sunshine guy like you know what I mean like he didn't grow up in Pixar yeah this wasn't his universe and I think he just he just didn't know it well enough like to make it anything new and fresh for this universe well here here's what's lacking is the attention to the detail that we all love in some parts you know like the the little fun specificities I think a lot of stuff just got washed over mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like here's all this stuff yeah. As opposed to, here's this, here's how this functions, here's this, here's how this functions, you know, each character and stuff. Yeah. Like you said, the first 15 minutes of the first Toy Story, you knew mm-hmm. every character and every character's motivation. In this one, we are introduced to like dozens of characters that you have no idea what their deal is. Yeah. And yeah. that is not in the Toy Story vein. Yeah, like, at not all. at all. Which is, I guess, might be a byproduct of, which we can get into the plot a little bit, but that essentially in having and not trusting Woody for whatever mm-hmm. reason uh, they essentially get donated to Sunnyside which is a daycare yeah. and there's a fuck ton of toys at the daycare yeah. so I get that you can't give a character motivation to every single one of those guys like in this in the Sunnyside but they should they could have done a bit better of a job than they did and I don't know. I'm it's, sorry, but a daycare doesn't have that many toys. So I think they, it, for the, their sake, was just adding a, they were adding a ton of toys. Like they wanted to add a bunch of new products or I don't know, because every toy, every kindergarten I go to, there was like three or four bins. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. there wasn't thousands of toys. That's the most unbelievable part, I think, of well, and then, that and then, aspect. And like, obviously when they're in the, was it in the caterpillar, caterpillar room, mm-hmm. the that they just have the kids that just have free access to glitter and paint and yeah. play-doh completely no unsupervised. adults yeah. yeah just wrecking shit yeah like, it's like the, the the kindergarten and Reese, the, kid, the the tv show recess yeah yeah <laughs> it's just like they're all savages and yeah no one goes over there <laughs> absolutely yeah. So, yeah this movie just had this this horrible feeling of like we just wanted to go under the methodology of bigger is better mm-hmm. you know like nothing and i like the opening sequence for this movie which is again like the buzz Lightyear sequence in toy story 2 is cute it's yeah. cute. I mean, like yeah. the little troll dolls, like being like the little kids being saved on the train and, uh, you know, the barrel of monkeys, like nuclear, like <laughs> explosions. So, like, they're really clever, but it just felt like, again, we're spinning our wheels. We saw something like this already. You're not giving us anything new. It's just more expensive looking. But and the animation is gorgeous. I have yeah. to say this movie looks phenomenal. It looks great. But and there are good aspects. You know, I definitely like I think Toy Story 1's 100%. For me, Toy Story 2 is probably like 95. I was, I know, you love that one more. <laughs> but this, one, this one's like a 70, you know? Like, it just yeah. 
got degraded so much for me. I still found it very entertaining. I liked yeah. it. I definitely did too. And if it was a separate movie other than in this franchise, I feel like it would have been stronger. Mm. But it had a lot to live up to. Yeah. You know? they, they they blend so many genres like like uh, prison escape mm-hmm. genres and then uh, just the whole like this weird conspiracy. They ter- they turn Buzz against them. Yeah. So much happens. Yeah. And. I don't know. Like, there, there were different. Like when Mr. Potato Head is like in different pieces, mm-hmm. and like in a, is it a tortilla, tortilla. Or, yeah. yeah, it was. It was just really bizarre. Yeah. Because, Why is this happening? Yeah. Yeah, because that that well, they're one. They're adding a new rule that when your pieces are separated, that they still function. Yeah, yeah. And that's never been a rule before. Like with Buzz's arm, mm-hmm. uh, it's always been like, and even Woody's arm when it was yeah. broken, like he couldn't move it. When yeah, it was absolutely. Broken. And so now they're adding a rule. Oh, you can. Yeah. For the sake of, like, Mrs. Potato Head's eye. For the sake um, of the joke. Yeah. Yeah, instead of the sake of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah, I, and, like, peppered in are some really amazing moments that are very, very funny. Like I said, the introduction of Ken. Ken is, like, the true tradi- tradition of Toy Story. Like, it's really very well-defined character, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. get him right away. Yeah, absolutely. Even Lotso, I think, is a bit vague. Lotso being the he's bad just Stinky guy. Pete again. Yeah, but he's literally he's just like Stinky sm- Pete again. He's Smelly Good Pete. <laughs> like he smells like <laughs> strawberries, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I, I, I do like the idea of like there's a sinister gang of toys. Like that to me is fun. Like I thought that mm-hmm. was a good concept of like they act like they're welcoming, but truly they're just there to mm-hmm. take ownership of the side where the kids are nice and gentle, not the littler kids that ruin the toys, you but, know? But they also they also live in fear of, mm-hmm. of Lotso. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what is Lotso? He's like a mob boss. Like, what's he do? Yeah. Who voices him? Is it Ned Beatty? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, like, see, that's what's so frustrating about this movie is that there's so many elements that could work on their own, like, independently of this, I, of this franchise. Like, if you had just made this movie like 20 years ago, I'd be like, that was a great fucking movie. But not in the tradition of Toy Story. It's the first time I remember seeing, uh, sitting down watching these movies and sort of like looking at my watch a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, it's really fucking long. The, and the efficiency of the storytelling is not there. Not at all. Like, the first two movies, you're like, you're like frame one and then the credits are rolling and you're like what how did we know i want more and this movie there's definitely like a good 15 20 minutes in the middle where i'm just like let's let's get this going let's yeah. move this along yeah you know? i i think uh there was a lot going on that's why it's hard to remember everything every character's kind of going through their own thing this is uh the one where buzz gets changed into like the spanish spanish mode, mode yeah. which is really funny yeah, that's a very funny. funny bit too mm-hmm. that i really liked um you know, I the the baby doll though is like so yeah, big baby yeah. is like creepy. It's weird that they never gave big baby oh, and like the monkey. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. 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 monkey. Yeah, Jesus. Jesus, who's like the lookout or whatever. God, talk about intense. I mean, that yeah. scared some little kids for sure. Well, <laughs> this one has the scariest sequences of ever, which is when all the toys go to the incinerator. Basically hell, like toy yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> they get on a, a, a truck and go there on when they're in that trash heap stuff. And I'm like, that is so scary and crazy. And I remember, like, I definitely got teary-eyed when they all resolved that they were just going to die, essentially. <laughs> and they just held hands and are like, well, this is it. And that's like, everyone's like, I remember after the movie came out, everyone's like, oh, that moment, yeah. that thing. And I was like, Yes, it was really intense, and and I definitely heartstring pulley, but it's not like the Jesse moment. It's not no. like yeah. the Buzz realizing he's a toy it, moment. It's very manipulative. Yeah. Oh, you're it, right. It's effective, 
but it's it's I feel like it's not earned. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then and then their rescue is just so happenstance. Yeah. Right? Like the they claw. Yeah, but, but it's like they do nothing. They're not empowered. Yeah. Like they 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 cannot they don't take an active role in their escape. Yeah. So it's it's you know they you know Deus ex machina. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they just, had nothing to do with what 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 they did. They just was coincidence. So much coincidence in this movie. When he goes to the house that has happens to have the toy that was with Lotso. Yeah. That knows the whole story, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, how? Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, it's I, like he just happens to be there. Okay, I guess yeah. that's fine. And then like it's even, another tea party thing too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just another rehash. And then like even the the conveyor belt taking you to the inferno like again just lack of logic like the idea of the magnets like pulling them up and stuff like there's things in that like physically that just don't make sense like of course in these movies are cartoons so like you bend rules like i get it but like this is the first time where i just went what no that's not that wouldn't work that way because you were saying like was it was it you that mentioned the 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 golf club or whatever it's like why why was it not being pulled up so with one person yeah uh, it, yeah, it it doesn't. There's not a lot of whole sense being made. Plus, the whole the whole, you know obviously the the magnet is there to to get the metal out of the grinder. Mm-hmm. But if the golf clubs were in a uh, a bag, mm-hmm. so they, if they hadn't pulled it out, it wouldn't have, it would have gone through the grinder anyway. Yeah. So this whole this whole system isn't very effective. Yeah. Um, like you said, it's just very manipulative mm-hmm. as opposed to like taking characters and earning the emotion that's there. It, yeah. Yeah. It, to to quote Red Letter Media, it's you know we find out that the Jedi can run really fast when the writer doesn't know how to get them out of a situation. Yeah. So here they are in this conveyor belt. It's like, uh oh, they're gonna be ground up now. It's like, how do we get them out? Um, there's a magnet. Yeah. And it brings them up. Yeah. It's just you could have gone right from the conveyor belt to the incinerator. Absolutely. There was, there's the whole the whole concept of the metal being pulled up in the grinder. It, it served no purpose. Yeah. Because they're right back into it. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't yeah. even end up being the thing that saves them anyway. Yeah. So it's like, why introduce something that doesn't make sense just for the sake of drama? I don't know. Yeah. To introduce the idea of the metal I, before it actually happens later. But again, all weak, not very strong choices. Um, you know, again, like I think they're just kind of flexing their animation power at this point by putting so many like what a powerful scene it's got all these elements working mm-hmm. parts what a you know all those sweeping chops uh, uh, shots of the sunny side where there's tons of toys they're yeah. like look at us look at our animation and i feel like it was just wasted yeah you know? i mean it does look great we can't deny that it doesn't look yeah. great but the, it's just the fire of the incinerator and all the stuff moving into amazing. it amazing it, it almost looked real yeah, yeah and it was more about that than the plot and that was unfortunate because story 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 is never i mean yes visually yes it's been a, a stunning thing but also just as strong was the script and the story and the yeah. characters wants and all that. So that's why it's, you know, definitely lacking when you could see how strong one thing is and the other didn't line up exactly. And, um, and they also had no, no real no role in the villains downfall. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he escapes, he gets caught right away. By but Sid, which it, is funny. An older adult Sid, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's, but they had nothing to do with it. Yeah, it just he would have he would have got got hurt anyway. Yeah, it's again it was happenstance. Mm-hmm. Like it was like things just happen, 
okay. Then horrifying, just tied to the front of a truck. You yeah. know, it's like that's still like really effed up. Yeah, just fucked up. Just <laughs> I guess for the sake of being fucked up. Yeah. That was the thing. I think why this movie. This was one of the highest rated movies ever critically, especially for animated films. Like, it, like I remember Rotten Tomatoes. It was just like it was like hundred percent almost the whole way, and then it went down to like ninety nine or something. It yeah. was like really highly rated, and I could not grasp why. There weren't, it wasn't at least a few bad reviews in there. You know what I mean? Considering the lineage that it came from. People think the Kool-Aid. No, I, after thinking about it, I know exactly why. And it's because it's like that old adage of saying like, oh, if you, if you leave them strong, then they will forget all the mistakes in the middle. You know, it was like the final sequence between Mm -hmm. like the Inferno and then like the playing with the the toys with the new generation of the girl, like Mm -hmm. at the end, like. It, that impacted people so emotionally that it, it just left like them it left it them good. going like that was a great movie. Yeah. But see, I, I feel that the opposite is true for Up, where they mm-hmm. hit you with this emotional thing hard, and then the rest of the movie is just dog crap. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just like, oh, it's so great. What? But uh, no, I totally agree. I I've always said that that like the first uh, the Epa or prologue of Up is like the best thing Pixar's yeah, ever amazing. done, like maybe ever. And then, yeah, the rest of the movie, you have, like, dogs flying planes, and I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. No, thank you. But see, the, And I also feel that a lot of people review things right out of the gate. Like, mm-hmm. they come out of the movie, and they go, oh, I'm going to go go on Metacritic and, Met- and Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm going to throw this review up there. I have to roll things over for a day. Yeah. I have to let it sit with me and, and like, really ponder it. Before, you know, cause you ride, you always come, I always come out of the theater riding a high. Yeah. Even if, it, even if it wasn't a good movie, for the most part. There's a couple movies. But Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I, I, came, I hated that immediately. I came out of that front face. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it takes, you know, sometimes you just, you need to think about it. And I feel a lot of people review things without, without really just sitting on it for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And if you look at it, it's like, it had been a long time since Toy Story 2. So Toy Story 2 was 99. And this was 2010. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 1 was 1995. It's a four-year gap. So no, no, uh, people don't do what we do, not generally, of like mm-hmm. watch it through. And actually putting these all together, it's like they're just rehashing the same shit, you know, yeah. when they're all lined up next to each other. It's like they're doing it but less strong, yeah. like in a poor way. Yeah. Um, I, you know. Get ready for three more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got a whole nother trilogy coming. Uh, which is insane. It's just I, That's where I get super elitist. We'll see. I, I hope for good stuff. I don't want it to be bad, but, you know, so for this one, like, high watermark to me or, like, the introduction of Ken I thought was really fun. I, um, like, Trixie, the new, the Stegosaurus mm-hmm. of Christian yeah, Shaw awesome. is awesome yeah. in that role. Um, like I said, Prickle Pants, although, like, re- a repeat, like, he's funny. He's like, funny, yeah. Go. I like the little peas in the pod. Mm-hmm. We're cute. And Totoro's I, in there. Yeah. Totoro's in there, which is awesome. Good mm-hmm. call out. And uh, and I like the concept of him passing off. I like the daycare in general. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. Like, you donate it to a daycare. Like, I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I like later, like, donating it to a little girl, like, the next generation. Like, mm-hmm. I thought those things were really strong. And they made her younger. So she'll have she'll have a longer time to yeah, grow up yeah. than Andy. Oh, and then the other thing continuity wise that I thought was good was the dog. Yeah, that the dog was old Buster's now. Buster's real old. Both now. Buster's old now, and yeah. pretty soon next one he'll be buried in the backyard. I'm sure. Well, we won't be with Andy anyway. Anyway, so it doesn't yeah. matter. But uh, yeah. No, but that was actually really. I think that's actually my favorite part of the third movie is the the, the acknowledgement of time. Like you know, that's what it does really strong. Yeah. Uh, or d- strongly. And like the fact that Buster is aging yeah. and that his time's coming too, you know, it's like it's this sort of idea th- about letting go, 
mm-hmm. which is like a good message for the movie. Like growing up and you have to leave things behind. Yeah. You know? I mean, the concept itself, I think, is strong. I think just the execution wasn't wasn't finely tuned enough. Yeah, there's moments. Um, and the Spanish buzz or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I like the uh, – I do like Teddy, the, the guy that does the phone. Where he's like trying to give him the scoop on things yeah. and like, oh, tells the yeah, story. Yeah. I thought that was a fun, fun thing. Uh, I like that you have to talk to him by picking up the receiver. Yeah, to <laughs> actually talk to him. Um, but yeah, I would say like they're rehashing of some of the old, same old shit. And so Lotto was upset because he got forgotten, kind of like Jesse sort yeah, it's of the thing. Same Jesse story. But he got replaced. They just mm-hmm. bought another Lotto because yeah. they lost. That one and and that's happened and that is something that happened yeah like that yeah you, it was you, like Dolly and big big baby got you know same thing that's fine but it just didn't seem like strong enough motivation you know yeah like, to run a whole movies villain behind like yeah. it just yeah it wasn't enough for me at least yeah and see I, that's what's so funny is like I look back on each individual character and I like them like I like Lotso I have a Lotso in my you know at home like, yeah that you, you actually gave me for my birthday yep. and I love Lotso but like. It just doesn't work together as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the designs are great. Yeah. Like uh, actually, all the designs of the new toys and all all yeah. those. I've, I want the clown. Yeah, the clown. <laughs> the sad, so super cute. sad clown. Yeah, the super sad clown. Like he's so awesome and the rest, the like kind of stretch Armstrong looking guy and like I don't know. I, I really liked. Uh, I liked them all, but mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of weak sauce. Yeah, yeah, overall, it's just like this. The the whole is not greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm not mad at it. And, again, if you compare this to almost any other child's animated film, it's superior. Mm-hmm. It's just by the standard that Pixar set, it's it didn't hit the mark. Yeah. All right. So I guess that's the end of talking about the main franchise. And we can move on to what I guess we could call a little epilogue uh, where we talk about the Toy Story shorts program, which consisted of five separate shorts airing actually before movies and theaters at some point and some on television. Um, but yeah, we can just dive into those now, mm-hmm. I guess. The small fry one. Yeah, which is fine. I yeah. remembered actually, I again, sort of like with three, I like it better second time around more than I did the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't like it when I saw it in theaters. I, I thought it was. I always thought it was cute. I like. I like all the little tiny little jokes in it. But the the whole concept of the the display only toys yeah. never get played with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, because they're always like, which one do you want? You pick from. So it's basically a Happy Meal toy, mm-hmm. and it's little Buzz. Uh, with a giant head, mm-hmm. and he wants to be replace the bigger Buzz. And there's a support group for all the toys that no one gave a shit about. <laughs> yeah, never like. Yeah, Jane Lynch was uh, a mermaid, like battle mermaid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> they had like all the, like the food uh, toys that transform, yeah, like, yeah. which I actually had a bunch Wh- of and love. Which is but... ridiculous because everyone gave a shit about those. Yeah, ones, so. those Ta- awesome. taekwondo. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like a god, doe in a, yeah. in a uh, what do they call it? A key? Yeah, yeah. Or gee, 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 gee. Yeah. And then uh, my favorite was DJ Bluebird. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's so cute and just like, yeah, making his little, his little turntables. So I thought that was clever and you could k- tell they really cared about it. And that's another aspect of toys. Like your Happy Meal toys or like cereal box toys, you know, are like this big deal to kids. So Well, sort of. They're, they're like a big deal for a moment kind yeah. of thing. Like most of those things get like forgotten really quickly. Well, they're cheap as shit. Yeah, exactly. You know? mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a few that I always 
collected and loved. Mm-hmm. There's a while where they're doing like full hand puppet ones, you yeah. know, that you're like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, I have the complete uh, Land Before Time yeah. rubber like hand puppets oh, wow. from Burger King. Yeah, that's... those are crazy. Yeah, and those are actually really nice. They modeled them just like they look in the movie. Yeah, so sometimes they put a little more effort into it, but yeah, it's just he infiltrates the group and tries to convince them that he's the actual Buzz, and they're like, you're clearly not the actual Buzz. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah, it's cute. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I give it a B, it's fine. Like, I'm not mad at it or anything. Yeah. Um, and then they had Hawaiian Vacation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I had never seen before. This yeah, is my, this first, is my time. first time. For yeah, them. I mean, I haven't seen any of these, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was cute. They were just, it was basically like Barbie and Ken wanted a honeymoon. They set it up for them. Um, what I liked about these is that the writing was really tight. Mm-hmm. So much like in the first 15 minutes of the first Toy Story, they really got to things quickly and like mm-hmm. the jokes came and like really quickly and were fun. I don't know. I just feel yeah. like quick, fun little like snippets. Mm-hmm. Like their best, like most punched up writing was for these, you know? Yeah. That was neat. I'd have to say of the shorts, like at least the three short, short ones, uh, I, Hawaiian Vacation is my least favorite. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I just didn't, I mean, it's fine. I just didn't care about it at yeah. all. Like, it, you it's been know. done, you know, setting up a vacation. It was like, that reminded me of like, I Love Lucy or something like way mm. back when. So. Yeah. So definitely not a new concept, but I thought right. some of the jokes in it was pretty funny. Well, and it was like, unlike small fry and, and we'll get into party source is it wasn't really a toy related story no yeah it was just a story involving these toys yeah, yeah exactly. it was like it could have been anything or one yeah it could have yeah. been with people it could have been with ants it, it, it didn't didn't matter that it was toys yeah. yeah which i actually didn't even think of but i think that's probably why i didn't like it as much uh, as the that others makes sense. it didn't um. feel the same but I think the next one, Party Source Rex, yeah. is my oh, favorite. Oh, Party Source Rex is awesome. It's amazing. That, that's yeah. the one <laughs> that I would actually show people. and like, oh, you should watch this one. So it's like bath time, bath toys. And yeah. Rex being one of the best characters ever, being yeah. the star of it, was so smart. Yeah. He's so great. Because his enthusiasm is <laughs> yeah. like always is like infectious. So. Yeah, he just wants to be really cool. And he goes, he gets taken to bath time. And all the toys there are like, you're the coolest. Because no, nobody there can turn on the faucet, right. the water. And yeah. everyone, all the bath toys are like ecstatic when the water's on and the bubbles are going it's yeah. like a party that's the whole bit and so he's like the coolest guy ever because he can make the bath happen but with then, his shitty little arms yeah <laughs> like all of a sudden those are like worth something yeah. well that's because it wasn't the beginning he's like oh i can't do that because my arms or whatever and then it proves that or something like that he <laughs> is actually really valuable to the bath time toys yeah um but then the pending doom of like holy shit this is getting out of control like you get nervous like the water's gonna overflow they're being yeah. too loud like <laughs> everything but all the characters introduced are like super funny like one detail and i just noticed it if you're a parent or if you're a babysitter like i am um the whale that goes over the spout so that kids yeah. don't hit their heads and yeah, stuff yeah. like just those details of toys bath time toys are like a big deal mm-hmm. yeah too and like stackable cups and like the um suction wind cup. up yeah, yeah. suction cups <laughs> up and the wind up guys with flippers mm-hmm. and all that stuff i thought was so fun yeah um isn't there like a jamaican dude in, like inside in the water or something there's well, well like there's like the party's going on and then all of a sudden like it cuts to like this one one like one of the things gets thrown up in the air and it falls into the water hard and then it cuts to like all the toys that sink like the surface toys get all the fun <laughs> yeah. then all of a sudden the guy from the surface comes down and he's like what's up fishes <laughs> oh yeah that's so funny yeah that one's fun and Rex you gotta yeah. love them that's the one I de- recommend anybody listening you should yeah. definitely yeah, check it out yeah that's easily the best of the shorts party source Rex it's just to the point it's not mm-hmm. you know it's nothing more than it needs to be it's just it takes one really good premise and rides with it yeah and it's got 
like a sweet beat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the good thing about these shorts too, I've noticed, is that they keep the continuity of the the movies. Mm-hmm. So they they coincide and are mm-hmm. along the same premises, lines, and things that have happened. They certainly do it better than Toy Story Three. Did. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> but they 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 keep in line with what's happening actually in the mm-hmm. series. Yeah, which is nice. And then uh, then we can go on to like one of the extended shorts, which is the Toy Story of Terror, mm-hmm. which. I don't know. I think it's the weakest out of all the things in this in the shorts. Yeah, yeah. It's it, well. Here's the unfortunate part. Like as much as like the running gag of Prickle Pants narrating and predicting everything that happens, it takes the thrill out of what happens. Like, yeah. yeah. I I you know as an adult we of course we know horror film tropes and we know that those things will happen. Mm-hmm. But it's more fun to have them happen than to be told seconds before they happen that they're going to happen. Okay, yeah. Show yeah. don't tell. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and in this one, they're going uh, the little girl's Molly, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Bonnie. 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 Bonnie is Molly's the other little girl. Yeah. Bonnie and her mom are staying in a hotel, and it's supposed to be creepy. And they're telling ghost stories. Or doesn't that start with them watching something scary? Well, they're watching like yeah, I think they're watching like the portable DVD player in the trunk. Yes, mm. that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get scared when they go there, and then suddenly they keep disappearing. Um, and but they're like. But the reveal of what's taking them is really is the dumbest stupid. thing yeah. ever. The it's best like, part about it is Carl Weathers as the yeah. uh, combat, as Carl. combat Carl. Carl is awesome. and he's, and like he's got super and he, intense and missing an arm. Yeah, he's missing the arm, just like like a predator. You know, predator reference. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, like why, like if you're gonna take a story that's about like toys getting taken or like going missing, like a pet iguana that acts like a dog, like yeah, what's the point of that? He comes in, rings a bell. His master's happy because. Basically, again, like another like fucking out. It's just like, a weird night rehash. Yeah, exactly. Where he's like this shit clerk, hotel clerk who steals things from his guests and then sells them, and then sells them, and he just happens to grab all these toys and they get with the his case. trained pet iguana. I can't. Mm-hmm. I keep going back to I know, but it's just like it's so. Illogical. I'm actually shocked. It's not something like a ferret. Like that would have made more sense yeah. to me. Yeah, oh, got a ferret, hundred percent more sense. Right, because they have hands and stuff, and I just think that's way more unique. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, I and thought it was. It was it's not even like an iguana like lends itself to being this like terrifying monster or yeah. something. Like it just seems so. I mean, if they're doing like a Godzilla type thing, that would be hilarious. But they yeah. didn't do that. Yeah, they well, didn't go there because the iguana also like when it's as as it is trying to d- fulfill a task for itself, it's not menacing. Like yeah. it's like really kind of like goofy and smiley and just like happy to keep. Let's just keep climbing out of the bowl and he keeps putting her back in and ringing the bell and it's like all excited and waiting. Which those are cute moments of mm-hmm. animation, definitely. But like, yeah. I definitely liked the, the whole dynamic of the the FedEx person or whatever. Yeah. Like that was like a fun like thing and like Jesse having to sacrifice, like I'm going in the box, like I have to do it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. ever want to go back, but I'll, I'll face my fears with that. And like the Transformer like guy yeah. or whatever, like. Those are all fun, like. But at the end of the day, it doesn't justify twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and it's certainly not like again like doing stories we've already seen before. Yeah, yeah. that was the only short I had seen before going into this, and mm-hmm. I was like, ugh, I'm not looking forward to those shorts. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it was a poor representation, I think, yeah. of what they were d- trying to do. Yeah. Miss up, missed opportunity when he puts Woody up for sale. It should have been, and then like the you seen like the eBay username like of like. Something toy barn, like, yeah. So you, think, toy so barn, you yeah. think it's Al trying to like get him back again? Get him back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that <would laughs> <Absolutely>. been awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And then uh, I guess for the final one, we which is the most recent one and actually mm-hmm. aired about when we watched it, 2014, uh, was a Toy Story that time forgot. Which, admittedly, 
is fun. It's better than I thought yeah. it would be. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I, Trixie being the star of it with Kristen Shaw, who's a triceratops or whatever. And it's about these other... I feel like I never had those toys, like the dinosaur, like warrior toys. It's like dinosaurs. It's like di- yeah. dinobots Dino or whatever. Yeah, dino riders. Dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I thought this was really fun, and I liked all the designs and everything. Mm-hmm. Like the overlord guy, I thought was really creepy and awesome. And I don't know, and like they're battling, and and it was a you know like again, all of the stories that Toy Story does well are the ones that have something relatable, like. And this one you have is like, oh, she's Bonnie's taking the toys over. It's like, oh, look what I got. You know, this is fun. And you like, she goes over to the rich kid's house who has all of the toys, yeah. the complete sets, and like, there's this whole complete world. And he doesn't give a shit about them. Yeah, because he got a game console. Yeah, he's like on the video games. Uh-huh. So it's like, okay, that makes that's something that I can relate to. And then they, and then now that you have the familiar characters being lost into this world. Which is nice, you know. And again, coming to uh, they're very similar as Buzz in the first movie that they don't know that they're toys. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't realize, and they take it really intensely, which I think is great with that kind of battle royale thing. You have to have that sort of intensity. Yeah. Um, and they get dropped into a, a genuinely interesting world. I so. think so. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I, I like the concept. I actually applaud them for trying something like kind of super different from Toy Story. Like even though it was within the genre of Toy Story, but it felt like a different series in mm-hmm. some ways and I wasn't upset at it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was like, okay, like I'm at least they're trying something that's not like rehashing of the old things and like, you know, not really. And that it was a fun new world within that genre. Yeah. I it was know. like, yeah. Like harkened back to like the 50s, 60s, like land of the lost, you yeah. know, like that type of stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. It just, yeah, it was just fun. It was just fun. Yeah. And I think, uh, what an interesting choice because Trixie was just introduced. So the fact yeah. that she's the star of it, I think it has a lot to do with Christian Charles' popularity now anyways and yeah. she's on Gravity Falls and, how and awesome stuff. she is. And mm-hmm. how wonderful she is and she should star and stuff like that. And I, so I'm glad they chose her and they didn't try to shoehorn somebody else in and that there was a unique sort of idea of these warriors that were so intense, like lizard people. I don't know. I liked it. And that she had found her people. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and like much like Jessie, like that she's like a female character that isn't defined by her gender solely. Like no. that she just likes what she likes and, you know, does what she like wants to do. But her whole, her whole identity crisis in this episode is that she never gets played with as a dinosaur. Yeah. Right. She's always something else. That's a great mm-hmm. concept, too. I thought that was interesting. Like she just wants to be what she thought she was born to be, and she's mm-hmm. never getting to fulfill she's that. Like, I'm a tea party thing or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think that's interesting too. Yeah, it was, and the animation obviously looks great. Actually, yeah, all shorts. the animation, all of them was really, really lovely. And everyone yeah. coming back to do their voices, like you know, for the parts that have Woody and Tim and and Buzz, it's Tommy and Tim Allen coming back. And I know. I think that's the kind of the best thing about it is that the through line of all the character voices being the same sans you know obviously slinky but he passed away so mm-hmm. other than that like <laughs> death is the only thing that can keep them yeah. from being this which makes me think obviously money is very important than getting the money and i don't know if they've had it in their contracts but i i kind of pardon me believes and really wants to believe that everyone loves being a part of this world you yeah. know and like really enjoys working on these things and projects so much that they'll do the little thing to the big thing, you know, because it means so much to them and it should. Toy Story in general is, I feel like a big part of our history as like in modern cinema. Like I think it just means a lot, you know, and I was really glad to actually do, I picked this one for the holiday season. So I was like toys, Christmas, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But more so that it meant so much to me growing up, you know, and, 
having something relatable and these iconic characters that I really loved and got behind and yeah, I mean, we live in a generation that I think is so obsessed with nostalgia. Yes. That, like, it obviously speaks to us. Like, I yeah. think we were the one generation, honestly, in the history of humanity of all time that had media and culture in general pander to us more than any other decade. Like, the late 80s, like, early 90s, like, is the generation that are, like, decade of kids. Yeah. Like, Saturday morning cartoons, serials, commercials, like, action figures. Like, that was for us. It, ca- it caused laws to be passed about when they had to have the, you know, back in our day, they had to show transitions from shows to uh, commercials. Yeah. They had to tell the kids, you know, after these messages, we'll be right back. They don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But they had to because, like, people were saying, like, they, the kids don't can't tell the difference between the show and the commercials anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, uh it's so like because that's how intensely the market was for like and all these shows even things like uh, we love like transformers and uh gem like those were all created as a result of attempting to market toys yeah absolutely i think the great thing about toy story is that it it lends itself to being relatable to all kids no matter what even mm-hmm. though there's toys that won't be relevant to those kids later mm-hmm. on so yeah. like my kids when i show them the movies they'll still get the idea of playing with toys and how important it is and like well, hopefully the friendships and stuff <laughs> yeah if hopefully. they're not all locked into ipads from the age of 2 well yeah. my n- next thing is i'm curious of how they t- attack the technology in the next toy story cuz yeah. like toys are relevant like you know prevalent in kids lives mm-hmm. but I mean, video games have like 50%, if not more, stake in that. And yeah, yeah. so, I mean, they kind of in- introduced it in this last Toy Story short, but I feel like. It's kind of called I Story. Yeah. From, <laughs> from oh the my next franchise. <laughs> Smash. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I can't wait to show my kids these movies. Um, yeah. Even the third one, I don't mind. Um, in the wheel of things, but mostly yeah. the first and second one will be like I said by by comparison, it's it's not as good, but it's still a decent yeah. movie. And kids love it. I know they do. Yeah. I and I was actually all those toys everywhere. I was actually really hesitant to like or give the shorts a chance, uh, just because it was like I've always been of the idea like the Calvin and Hobbes idea, which is like quality over quantity. It's like say what you have to say, and when you're done, let it go. Which mm-hmm. is why I'm like bummed out about the the next trilogy coming in these movies. I didn't movies. Even know that until you mentioned that. But um, you know, especially since like as much as I like ragged on the third movie, it does end nicely with that. It's like I said, we start with clouds, the wallpaper, and it ends with the clouds, mm-hmm. right. and it's just like, oh, that's complete. We're yeah. done. And then the the idea of the shorts coming back, I was like, I don't know about all this. But you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty quality entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It doesn't ruin anything. It's just nice little fun side trips. So, yeah, I'm okay with them. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else to say about Toy Story? No. Do you know any more about the trilogy coming out? Just that there is announced that three more are going to be made. Yeah. I don't even it know l- if it's going to be the same toys. <coughs> it looks like Toy Story 4, based on IMDb, is going to come out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's all it says. Well, it, it's all sequels. It's, it's, it's Cars 3, Finding Nemo 2, uh, you know, uh, incre- you know, Incredibles 2. Which I feel now is is gone too long mm-hmm. from from being yeah a good idea, but uh, yeah it's it's all it's all sequels. I'm huh. sure I'm sure there will be some original content in there, or like a Wally. Uh, I mean, I would say like Brave, although I didn't like it, was, was at least a, uh, not a sequel. Yeah, yeah. we have like Inside Out coming, which doesn't oh, look particularly yeah. good like to me. And like the Good Dinosaur, which I don't know anything about, but you know I'll give it a chance. 
but yeah, we're we're definitely into the the world of sequels and remakes and reboots. It's it's but hit here, animation too. So. Something about Toy Story that I think will also always be a big part of my heart is that again to talk of Pixar, you know, I remember the time when every Pixar movie. You're like, well, I'm there yeah. day one because mm-hmm, yeah. I know it'll be some of the best quality filmmaking. And for me, it was. There definitely was a time period where they were on top and I appreciated them and it was wonderful. Um, so I'll always be nostalgic for that and still give credit when credit's due. They did mm-hmm. amazing things there. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I've heard people loved working there and had a great time and they made a great environment. And John Lasseter really cared and fought for things and fought for his employees. For artists. You know, for yeah. artists. Obviously, there's never should be one face of company because that doesn't make sense to me. There's, It takes so many people to make this stuff and his name just happened to be at the top of the hat or whatever. But mm-hmm. I feel like... You know, all the people that worked on these things obviously cared a lot and, like, should be really, really proud. And I will always keep that peace in my heart of, like, the Pixar baby years of, like, them coming out with just amazing things. Yeah. 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 We'll see. Maybe they can turn it back around again. One could only hope. I'm sure they can. If they hire the right people and let them do their jobs that they hired them to do, then we'd be okay. Well, they might have to break away from Disney to let that happen. (laughs) Yeah. We need a separate company again. It'll never happen. I know. (laughs) It's it's too far gone, maybe. But this was really fun. And watching it with all of our buddies, it felt really great because everyone was super into it. And I have to say, honestly, this might have been the easiest marathon we've ever done. Yeah. Three movies, all pretty quality. Like, Uh, yeah, shorts. Pretty good. Yeah. And we had our youngest podcaster yet. Yeah. Viewing. Addie was there to watch all the Toy Story movies with us. Yeah. We yeah. had a little girl. She's not even one yet, right? No, she or is. Or just she turned one she recently? Turned one, yeah. She turned one in October. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a little over one. She, and honestly, I mean, which I think is a testament to the quality of these movies, was pretty much entertained the whole time. Like she engaged. was locked in, engaged. Yeah. And like that's very little to be, to, to keep that kind of attention span. Yes. And we so. gave her the Lotso to hug during yeah, the third She was one. carrying around my Lotso for a lot of the, <laughs> the things. So it was, it was a nice environment to watch these movies. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for podcasting with me, uh, Amanda and Richard. Yay. Yeah. My pleasure. Huzzah. To the- infinity and beyond, maybe. <laughs> Thanks for listening. That concludes the Toy Story podcast. Be sure to tune in next time when we watch the Taken franchise. As usual, later this month, we will also be live tweeting our experience. You can follow us on Twitter at CinemarathonPod. That's CinemarathonPod. If you'd like to comment on our Facebook page, you can find us at Facebook.com slash CineMarathon. And if you'd like to reply to anything we've said on the show with comments or suggestions for other marathons you'd like us to do, feel free to email us at cinemarathon at gmail.com. And all of this information can be found on our website at cinemarathonpodcast.com. Thanks.